1: Welcome Auburn into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock with me for the full three hours as we continue to talk all things in the world of college football, as of course... Uh, We continue to look forward to bowl season and continue to talk everything NIL and transfer portal related as there is news every single day in the transfer portal. So we'll continue to hit on that. We'll also get into some other things today as Auburn basketball is two days away from a trip to Atlanta against Indiana which will be a, a very important game for the Tigers after losing to Appalachian State this past weekend. It's also a Thursday, which means another week starts in the National Football League. So we'll talk about, I don't know if we'll talk a lot about tonight's game. We might mention it in passing, but we'll talk about another big week of NFL football coming up this weekend. There are some very pivotal games, both in the AFC and the NFC, uh, that will have big-time playoff implications. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, whatever is on your mind today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, if you'd like to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And, again, if you're looking for the Super 7, as the state playoffs come to a close in Alabama these next couple of days, of course, you can hear all the Super 7 games on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. The 1A state championship game is about to start. We had... A uh, already had a 3A state championship game this morning, and a very entertaining 7A state championship game last night, won by Central Phoenix City. And uh, the MVP of that game was Cam Coleman, who of course flipped his commitment to Auburn last week. So had a very big performance in their win. So the Super 7 is underway. Great time for high school football. So if you're looking for any of that, either during our show, hopefully more so after our show. Uh, but uh, you can flip over to FM Talk 93.9 and have all those games over the next couple days. Ryan, TP, and Brooks with you here on this Thursday. Start with you, TP. I hope your week has been good so far, man. Good to see you today.
2: Good to see you as well, Ryan and Brooks. It's uh, always great to be on Sports Call here. It's kind of sad that the college football season's kind of coming, well, the regular season's come to a close. But now we get the postseason, get some great bowl games Very pro bowl game here. Uh, Got some great high school football going on to really close out the season. It's kind of like the last finale, the 4th of July fireworks show. This is the grand finale. You mentioned it best. Cam Coleman looked like a monster last night. Great receiver. Really good. First time I really got to see him for a full game there. And, uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting to talk to our callers today, getting to talk all things football, basketball, you name it. We're starting to get more into that Auburn basketball sphere, but – I know football's got one more game against the Turtles, first time since 83, so looking forward to everything we got going on today. And then Brooks Childress on
1: the show with us again today. Brooks, thank you for hosting both on Monday and Tuesday, and uh, appreciate everything you do. Hope you're doing well today, sir.
3: I am doing fantastic. Uh, it is a, a chilly uh, Thursday. as uh, It has been a, a cold here around these parts for the last week or so, and so... Uh, getting through that, uh, getting ready to uh, g- suffer through a Thursday night football game uh, tonight uh, with my my uh, my team, the New England Patriots. Uh, participating, I'll, I'll put it lightly there. Uh, so getting ready for that, getting ready to uh, get back into the swing of things with Auburn basketball. I know Bruce Pearl met with the media earlier today uh, ahead of that ho- this holiday hoops giving game on Saturday, and uh, it is. A, a, uh, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting time in sports. You're right, TP. You you got the college football season kind of coming to an end. You got the Army Navy game on Saturday to wrap up the official wrap up of the regular season, I guess, and then bowls start next week. And you got a Heisman Trophy being handed out uh, on Saturday. And uh, it, it's just it's so fun. And then as, as you mentioned, Ryan, you got the the high school uh, the the high school football season in the state wrapping up here these next two days. Uh, me and TP last night wrapped up our high school the high school coaches show for the year. I want to once again thank everybody that tuned in to that all year long. Uh, and we've got a uh, you know the, the games today. Uh, you got some fun games, uh, but uh, the local teams you all want to. Say congratulations to our listeners down in Phoenix City uh, as the Red Devils took home the Blue Map last night for seven A. And you got a couple teams from our listening area in action tomorrow. I know you've got Mobile uh, Montgomery Catholic uh, in action tomorrow. You've got Real Town in action tomorrow as well. And so uh, a, a couple of our uh, local teams still vying for those Blue Maps uh, in the in the Super Seven. And so it's a it's a great time. To, it is it's an interesting time, but it's a great time in sports.
1: Absolutely, and so. Let's get into the show today, and let's do it the way we have, and it feels like, for uh, uh, several days in a row, talking about some of the recent uh, portal rumblings and that sort of thing. Uh, Auburn had one more departure into the portal today. Safety Marquis Gilbert uh, entered the portal. That is the seventh player for Auburn. Again, Steven Johnson, Anisus Sledge, uh, Mari Kelly, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Jair Shorter, Tyler Fromm, and marquise gilbert are uh, the departing players so far again not really a bunch of guys that uh, stand out to you uh, the receiving guys certainly that group did not uh, end up being incredibly productive this year uh, and then tied, tied in tyler from uh, with nathan deal coming back or luke deal excuse me coming back then you probably had a, a situation where uh, you were looking at playing time opportunities there because also it's assumed Rivaldo Fairweather would come back. So uh, you definitely have a, 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 a reason there if you're Tyler Fromm. And then, again, these other guys not playing as much. If you're a wide receiver, uh, not having had a good year this year, and you know what the, the recruiting class is like, then you know that uh, you are going to struggle for playing time next year as well. Auburn's also in the offensive side of things as they look to add people in the portal. Uh, There was an offer put out there, I think now two days ago, but we did not talk about it yesterday, Will Shepard, wide receiver out of Vanderbilt. He, of course, uh, Vanderbilt's best receiver, Uh, that, that was needless to say, but uh, had a huge catch. I know that Vandy was never had a great chance at it in the second half against Auburn, but had a huge catch uh, late in that game against Auburn that people might remember on a fourth down. Uh, that was a hotly contested catch led to I think their their last score of the of the game. And so he's someone that Auburn is interested in. They Auburn's been definitely in, interested in transfer portal wide receivers too. I, I think that they are looking to just, again, change just about the entirety of the room. And they're looking to uh, just just kind of start, start anew there. I know that you could have uh, one or two returning guys that had some production. You could have uh, Javarius Johnson certainly again. Uh, you m- <coughs> might have some Jay Fair again. But everyone else, I mean, again, uh, there's guys like Jair Shorter, uh, Shane Hooks and Nick Marner, Hooks and Marner are out of eligibility. You have Malcolm Johnson Jr. Mari Kelly in the portal, so I mean that's a handful of wide receivers already, uh, already basically off the team for next year. So we've talked some quarterback rumblings and that sort of thing, but sticking with the wide receivers guys. Knowing that you've got Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, knowing that you also added that Malcolm Simmons and Bryce Kane, who are probably not guys that will help necessarily year one, but they'll certainly help at some point. Uh, what 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 number are you looking for out of the wide receiver transfer portal market? Is Will Shepard at the top of your list? Just talk to me a little bit about uh, what you're thinking with the wide receiver position.
3: Uh, I think uh, you know if you're Hugh Freeze and the staff, uh, you know you've got a, a Quality talent group coming into your to your, your program in the in the signing class here, uh, and that that starts here in, in about a week is the the signing day, and so it's uh, I think that you're you're solid with your young guys. Um, <clears throat> I think that the, the big thing is I think you want to add some veteran a uh, veteran presence in there. May you know obviously you've got a couple guys that are in that room that have been in the system a little bit, but you also want a guy that can come in. And and kind of be that that I don't want you know, I don't want to say don't want this to sound bad, uh, but the adult in the room and I'm not saying that, you know, the the young wide receivers are going to come in and be immature and you know, it's you're, you need somebody to straighten it up in there, but it's it, you just sometimes you need an older, more veteran wide receiver in there to for you know the the young guys to even know they're they're talented they still have not played a down of college football and going into next season they still won't have played a down of college football and so you need a guy that's that's experienced I like the Will Shepard. I mean, you look at his career statistics at uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, he was there for four years. He had 152 receptions for 2067 yards, 21 touchdowns. Uh, and really, I, I say he was in there for two uh, for four years. His first year, he only had two receptions for 30 yards. So it's been the past three years that he's put up those numbers. Um, and he, uh, and so. It's uh, it. I think that he's a guy that if you're Hugh you Freeze, uh, you'd really like to bring in. He's a proven commodity. Uh, you know, you look at what he's what he did against some of the um, some of the, the topper or the, the big, bigger talent. Uh, he he faced this year. Uh, you know, you had a game against Missouri. Uh, you had 98 yards and a touchdown, 107 receiving yards and a touchdown against Florida. Uh, you you mentioned the the Auburn game. You had 43 receiving yards against Auburn, 44 receiving yards against Tennessee. Uh, and so he's he's a guy that can put up some some good quality receiving yards. And I, I think he's a guy that you want to You would like to bring in and just just be a veteran presence for that room going forward.
2: I think the Will Shepard move would be a great move. I I don't think they really need to overhaul it like they did last season where they brought in a ton of receivers. They have a lot of good uh, players coming in from the um, recruiting cycle, as we said, Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, Bryce Kane, and – I can't remember the other Not guys, Simmons. thank you, uh, from Benjamin Russell, but I, I think you can take a Will Shepard, or maybe another, I think you could take two Portal guys, that's what I would say. I would tell some of those guys who weren't very productive in the uh, in the receiving room this year, which was a massive disappointment, I'd say, you know, be, be honest with them, you know, you probably should go look for it, another opportunity somewhere, and I feel like they're starting to do that, so... And I know some of them are graduating as well, so I'd be I'd be very good with the Will Shepard move if they wanted to go with a second receiver. There's a lot of good receiving talent in this portal this year. There's Josh Kelly from Washington State. Uh, Washington State. There's Julian Fleming from Ohio State. There's Antoine Wells. Granted, he's kind of more towards I think it was like Tennessee and Texas, but I had to go look back. But he, he's from South Carolina. Uh, referred to as juice wells but he he's really good as well. I think there's a lot of leeway. I think you have a lot of room where you can uh you can really make something happen with this portal cycle where you have such a good receiving core where you can kind of you can kind of shoot for the moon here and you can try to go for one of those big uh receiving talents like Will Shepard or another player as well. Yeah, you know,
1: that that is the thing with just about every position and there will be maybe a few that will only have one or two, three, four big impact guys. Just about every position is going to yield out of the portal an opportunity for teams to, to get better uh, at, at most levels. There's just so many of them in there. We talked about the number of total uh, total players in the portal. The other was 3,000. Uh, that does include the lower divisions of college football. The official FPS number is 1,400 or so, almost 1,500. That's still an incredible amount of players. Those are guys just coming from Division One schools. And so, you will have impact guys at really just about everywhere. And uh, Auburn obviously leaned into that last year. Quite frankly, to grade it, they ended up doing a poor job with the wide receivers. I mean, they brought in a lot of different faces and very few. Well, I, I, You know, I'll say none of them were productive, honestly. Their most productive receivers were Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson and then as a tight end slash wide receiver, Valdo Fairweather. And so Fairweather is the only addition transfer portal-wise that really came up for him. But, again, Nick Marner, I don't think he had a catch. I don't think he had one catch this year. Uh, and that was a guy at 6'6". I stared at it at practice thinking it would be a red zone target. No catches there. Jair Shorter was not productive uh, coming from North Texas. Uh, and, and there was others too. You know, And even the guys that were here, I, I was still – optimistic on a guy like camden brown and he seemed to be able to get open from time to time but not necessarily take advantage of those opportunities at a couple drops and so you're looking at it and you say other than that slot with fair and javarius johnson and then other than some tight end with fairweather you can change really all of it uh at this point point. and a lot of those guys were veteran guys like i said shane hooks was another transfer. Out of eligibility, I think he had eight or nine catches this year. Again, we're talking about single-digit catch numbers for all these guys. Uh, and so it makes me think that, okay, sure, maybe a couple of these guys had stayed. I think they still, from day one, would have gotten passed by Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson and maybe even Malcolm Simmons. I mean, again, you, you had a lot of room, a lot of room to get better. And uh, I think that they could still uh, do some good to get one or two transfer portal guys um probably two as tp said one that you really one of the two really needs to contribute and the other one you could take or leave because again you're you'd like what you've got in the slot with johnson and fair and then if either thompson or coleman is really good from the get-go which i think there is a a decent probability at least one of them will be good from the get-go and maybe both then all of a sudden you've got two to three wide two to three wide receiver positions figured out, plus you're tied in, then you're only looking for one, two more contributors, uh, and, and then that's where the, the one the two transfer portal guys come in. So I think that what they're doing there is interesting because they have really valued that position a lot in the high school ranks. That has been obvious. They are still trying to land Ryan Williams. We'll see if he reclassifies and if he does go to Auburn, but Either way, they've already landed what they've wanted to in a, a big-time class at wide receiver alone in high school, uh, but they're also still being very active in the portal market there, wide, wide receiver-wise. And, and quite honestly, from what we've heard, they're being more active in that market than they are in the quarterback market. So uh, definitely something, a position to watch because I do expect, I don't know, I can't promise you a quarterback, but I, I do expect Auburn will land at least one reputable transfer portal wide receiver before this thing is set and done we're going to take our first time out of the show today when we come back we'll have more as we continue to talk some college football we'll also talk uh, some bowl games and we'll get into some nfl a little bit later a lot ahead here on this thursday edition of sports go live on tiger 95.9
0: To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to SportsCall on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-TIGER9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooke Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday. Of course, I'm with the two fellas, Brooke Childress, the host, and then T.P. Hammock, who joined a lot throughout the year of the High School Coaches Show. Really appreciate you guys for putting on a great show throughout the season. We had never gone into the postseason like that before and uh, we were really excited to continue our coverage this year and appreciate Brooks, you, for running that ship all year long and uh, TP'd for joining along for the ride Uh, probably by the end of it, I mean, more times than, than not, probably at least half the year. So. I appreciate you guys for, for doing such a great job on that.
3: Absolutely. Technically, I'm the third host in the show's history, too, because you, you started by our, our good friend Bill Bailey. He stepped away about midway through last year. Brant Daughtry took over for him, did a great job.
1: I feel like that was more of an interim basis Okay. for Brant. I, I think you're the second full-time host there of the High School Coaches Show. I'll I, take it. You know, I, mean, just I, I wanted to give Brant credit. Sure. I and look interims get credit. They they get they get a little record on Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, there's there's a there's an Ed Orgeron record for U, his USC days. It's out there. That's true. Uh, so, uh, but uh, do appreciate uh, you for handling that all season long.
3: And it was it was so like you said, we had never done it this deep into the playoffs before um but it was it was great because we you know even up until uh the uh quarter finals we were still having coaches come by and uh and so it, it the 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 excitement didn't wane uh even when we flipped it to the the studio too and and weren't out on location uh which gets a lot of people to come out uh but we were uh we we were able to uh continue the momentum going and uh, it was great. It was fun. Uh, I, again, thank everybody, that, especially TP, uh, for being on the show several weeks. Uh, Tim Sin, Chris Tarno, Brant Daughtry was on the show a couple times. Uh, and so, you know, thank everybody that uh, joined us. And uh, we'll, we'll do it again next August. How about that?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, let's talk some more of college football here. And I want to get your guys' takes because we talked a little bit about this with Tom yesterday. It was just a me and, and Tom Peavy show. So I want to get more opinions on it. We're talking about the mass numbers of transfer portal. We're also talking about, uh, the NIL situation, which is prompting some sort of change, which there was a proposal by the NCAA earlier this week, uh, about, uh, teams having to basically promise $30,000 as like a, uh, some sort of, uh, academic credit, but I mean, really it's just $30,000 payment, uh, to be able to potentially be eligible for all of these uh, top championships, and that could really further separate the hierarchy of college football. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What should it look like? I think we all can agree that there's still needs to be something that's more uh, baseline-oriented that at least reigns in some of it. Uh, So, is that a smart proposal? Where are we headed here in the next few years with NIL Transfer Portal stuff?
2: I, I hate it. I hate the uh, the $30,000 thing because it's, like, going to make, like, a new subdivision if I read that correctly. And I think that is garbage, and I think that is wrong, and we're not going to get – it's basically just going to become nfl light at that point. You're going to get the power, too. We've always – that's been kind of in the murmurs since this conference realignment's really started, but that would really, like, kickstart it into another gear. And uh, I really hope that doesn't go through uh the transfer that that's my thoughts on that but with the transfer portal i, I think it's becoming the point where you're going to see a lot of people because there there's an absurd number of people in the transfer portal but you got to look at it, at the end of the day there's only so many roster spots and so many places you can go and how many kids really want to drop down a division level because I, I mean the grass isn't greener on the other side all the time so uh, you could we could have people who just uh, you know, they they lose a scholarship opportunity. They may not play somewhere else, or they may be a walk on and they don't play somewhere else. So, I think it's just the world that we live in. I think uh, I think it's becoming more and more like free agency. But uh, I don't think it's like th- there's not nearly as many like big time transfers in this cycle. I will say there's no ones that really make me like, well, there are some on the D-line from like A&M, though, but that, that's more on the coaching change than an indictment on the portal. Um, there's none that really make me – uh, my eyes really bulge out, kind of like whenever Caleb Williams transferred. And so I think uh, I think the portal is uh, getting a little bit more balanced, but I think at the end of the day we're, we're still going to have a lot of players who don't get another home. They're, they're going to be done because they entered the portal, and uh, that sucks. But uh, – at the end of the day, I think it's just going to become a, a reality of college football in the current age and uh, time. I,
3: I'll start where you finish, T.P. I, so, so when we were going into the the, the the world of the portal a couple years ago, I, I remember saying on this show, um, you know, it, it, part of me, and part of me still believes this, is normal students at a, at a university, they can pick up and move to another university no problem. No, no problem. They can start their academics. They can jump. They don't have to quote unquote, They don't have to set out a year to study chemistry from Stanford to uh, Notre Dame. Like you can transfer. You can go study chemistry anywhere. Uh, and so, part of me is like, why does why can't uh, you? You know, what is what? What is the the difference in a student you know, a student athlete picking up going to another university to play sports when other students can get up and go and, and do do their thing? And so that part of me is, is still on that train. Uh, but I will say, I, I, I will say this. I think that the portal has done a good job where I, 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 like it where it is, uh, right now where you can, you know, you can pick up and you can have one free transfer Right. And you can move, you can go, you know, I can be a a football player at Oklahoma state. I could say, don't really like, you know, I I, I don't really like my time here. Uh, You know, I wasn't everything that I was playing time. I was promised not going over so well. I want to go to Kentucky. All right. I can do that once. Um, I I do think that. And and then after that, it's the, again, you can transfer, but you got to set out a year. And so I I do like, uh, I I, I think that I've, I've come more around to, I like that, and I do like the the clause where, hey, if I'm at X University, uh, my coach just left. I can uh, I can transfer out of that there too because I I was here for for the head football coach. I like that too, and so I, I think that when it comes to the 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 transfer portal, um, here's here's what I think. I think that they can be modified. And, and, you know, sitting here trying to uh, spitball ideas of what could happen is I like the, the, the one, one transfer, uh, free transfer rule. Maybe you make, make them have to stay, you know, you, and, and when you go to the uh, NFL, you have to be in at the uh, college level for four years. No matter what, you know, maybe you're a red shirt, you can go as a red shirt junior or whatever. You have to be in, in college for four years. Let's say you have to be at your university for two years and then you get your free transfer. And you're like, all right, cool. If you want to transfer beforehand, cool, you can. You still have to, You all have to sit out a year. And then after that second year, you can transfer, do your free transfer, whatever. And then after that, it's again, you want to transfer again. If you're not a grad transfer, you got to sit out a year. Um, I think that could probably help. Uh, and in that clause, I would still keep the, the – um, hey, if my coach left, I can transfer because, uh, it. you know, if, if I go somewhere because, you know, I like Jimbo Fisher and I go to Texas A&M and then, boom, all of a sudden he leaves or he's fired, well, now I'm stuck there with maybe a coaching staff that I didn't agree to, you know, I didn't want to play. I, I was recruited by them at another school, but I didn't like them. And I was like, ah, you know, cool, you guys are fine, but I don't want to play for you. Now they're all of a sudden they're there. I think you should still have the the opportunity to transfer away uh, in in case of uh, a head coach leaving, only a head coach leaving. Like if your offensive coordinator leaves, I, I don't think that 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 should uh, that should matter because you, the head coach is still there. Um, the 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 other proposal that you were talking, you guys were talking about the the uh, kind of the financial tier uh, the, uh, for college football. That's no, don't no. It's it's ridiculous. Um, you're basically handcuffing two-thirds of college football to say you cannot compete for a national title on the biggest stage and that is what we're you know and and I know there are there are times that you know you you look at it let's go back to a couple years ago Let's you know you let Cincinnati into the playoff they don't they they don't aren't able to compete with Alabama all right yeah we kind of figured that but they've got the chance well guess what the you know, the you, you have these in this thing, other thing called the NCAA basketball tournament. And we had a team uh, by the name of Florida Atlantic. They don't spend as much money on basketball as Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky or or Kansas and anywhere near that. They made a run to the final four. San Diego State basketball. They don't spend as much money as the Blue Bloods of college basketball. They were in the national title game last year. And so I know basketball' is a little more of an even sport, but if you take away the the opportunity for college football teams to compete uh, with, with some of the big dogs, you never know if they can if they will if they've got the talent to, to win. And especially in the world of the, the transfer portal as it stands right now, things are starting to even out a little bit. You're seeing it around college football, things are starting to even out a little bit. And it's, you know, and, and I know, you know, still teams like Troy and James Madison and Cincinnati maybe Cincinnati will, will start to build things up since they're a power five program now. But, uh, you know, Liberty, some of those teams may may still, you know, probably will still never get to the level of talent as a, as an Alabama or a Georgia or an LSU or a USC somewhere, somewhere like that. But. The, the way the transfer portal is, you can you can bring in some top-level transfers and you can get better and you can have an undefeated season and you could be in that top 12. And guess what? You get in, you got a chance. You've got a chance to pull off an upset.
2: So I'm happy that you brought up that Final Four scenario because it, it does show there was a really good article done by CBS Sports last uh, April about uh, Dusty May, the Florida Atlantic basketball coach, Uh, He came in from Florida and just to show how much because people I think people get confused by they think, oh, you know, college, you know, if you're in Division one, you know, you just have this unlimited amount of money or, you know, that you have money. You know, there's no problem with that in the big, you know, the big two or even the big three. If you want to count like baseball as a sport, the Florida Atlantic facilities were so bad whenever Dusty May got there that he began to cry because he thought he had made the biggest mistake he almost left there before he even started and he was able to build it up and he got them to a final 4 which just goes to show that you know even programs with the you know at the bottom of the barrel are able to come back and compete in a couple years under that coach so i think it i think it's garbage the, the put it frankly i think the if they do that that is just a terrible decision on all parts, and uh, I really hope it doesn't go through because, I, like I said, I think it will be NFL light. I think that's what they will go towards, and I think, I, I think it'll really ruin the college athletics as a whole.
1: Yeah, I look. I understand that there are there is a heightened sense of, of care about the big brands and about the big schools and all that sort of thing, but I don't see why these other schools are not allowed. Uh, to compete on, on those le- on that level, you know, I don't see why you're trying to make it financially impossible for half the country uh, to not not be on that level. You are trying to at that point because I I defended it originally and said no, it's not going to feel like NFL if you if you get this thing down to 50 or 60 teams that uh, that's all that can compete for a title. And you might say, well, isn't it that way al- already? in a way sure but that doesn't mean that we don't have the the occasional surprise from a group of five that doesn't mean we don't have um uh, great storylines throughout those teams and let's be honest if you make them and you might say well okay well well aren't those fans of those teams still going to care about those teams even if they have to drop down to a level sure but also better believe that interest will wane. There were studies done uh, when back when UAB killed their program for a, a year or two and when teams like Idaho jumped down from FBS that it absolutely hurts enrollment to not have a Division I football program. That, that impacts enrollment. So there is a, a sense of it will get worse and there will be less interest and the stories will not be there if half the the country if these teams have to drop down and i i think that while it's okay to focus on a certain region certain part of the country certain conference certain group of teams sure like, like that's what we do we we cover auburn we cover the southeastern conference we don't cover conference usa and we don't cover the Sun Belt much and there's perfectly good story teams there. Trolley was great this year. And in years past, UAB and Conference USA won that league a couple of times. And we might mention it in passing. Uh, but we cover the SEC. And, and that's fine because they're, that's, again, what everyone wants. It's what we focus the most of our time on when we have our eyeballs on the screens every weekend. So that's fine. But that doesn't mean that those other teams can't compete too. And, I, and that doesn't mean that they, they have zero room to, to participate with the big boys. Uh, and, and also, if there's a notion, well, I don't want them to steal any thunder, there's plenty of thunder. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of media attention. There's plenty of everything for all these Power 5 schools at all times. We're about to be Power 4 schools at all times. It's okay if one time out of fifty something crazy happens, or one time out of twenty something crazy happens. I can't believe that people get so fixated on what would happen if, Lord forbid, an underdog actually won the damn thing. Like, like it's not it, again. Y- y- you get so caught up on trying to to keep it to these select group of few schools that again, I, I like. I'm not I, again. This is not me saying that that. We need to try to even things out and make it easier for the group. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying that it's already hard enough. If you make it any harder, they simply just won't be able to participate. And, no, that's not good for college football if only 50 or 60 schools are going to be able to participate. There's there's some rumors uh, that even a few of the Power 5 schools outside of the SEC would not be able uh, to to contend in that model. So I, I just – I. Again, I, I don't think that's the way to do it. I think that um, they are trying to, as TP say, make it a, a mini NFL now, again, there there will still be key differences. There will not be they will not these schools will not be feeding into NFL franchises because they are uh, still whole entire entities in themselves and schools and you make money off your school. Uh, plenty of money off the school. And and so there will still be key differences. But it's going to feel, in every other way, if you're just consuming the sport, it's going to feel like a much smaller league, uh, a uh, a much more pro league when you are basically going to end up having contracts by the by the end of this thing and in a way you have some of that with nil it's just not directly through university it's not it's not technically the contract to play for that entity uh and then that entity to pay you a sum for your service of playing but i mean it, it it almost functions that way and it will only continue to grow closer there so all the fears of wanting to keep it separate from the NFL, they continue to grow because yeah, they get closer and closer to, to looking like that anyway. And again, I don't think that that is the root of college sports. I'm sorry. I I know that that college sports have taken off. I know that they've uh, given everyone the ability to have a show like this or have a podcast or have a, have a new site, whatever, because it's grown so much, but just because something has grown does not mean you have to then shrink the, the ability and the scope of what you're covering that actually is counterintuitive and actually is inverted. So I, I again, I, I don't like some of those proposals either. I do agree that there needs to be more transparency in what's being paid, what's being offered. Uh, and, and to some degree, some sort of limit, I, I, like I would go the other way. I'd say some sort of limit uh, to, to what a team or a university or a collective can use. Maybe not on what one individual player can make because that will inherently have to follow and if you have some sort of cap system, but again, if you have some sort of cap system that's very professional-like. So, Again, you have opened a can of worms that uh, it is the Pandora's box of amateur athletics that you cannot unopen and it will never feel like it did in the past again. It will always feel increasingly more professional and more professional and Like, again, there's no turning back from that whether you want to or not. But the least you can do is not then make other teams the victim or or make other teams not be able to be a part of this just because you're trying to accelerate the process.
2: I think uh, if you – for those who are like, oh, well, I think the media, you know, hugs and, you know, coddles the underdogs or whatever, go back and look at the coverage of the final four from the previous year, where you had FAU, San Diego State, Miami, and UConn. Out of those four, there were about three that you would consider an underdog. Miami doesn't have a great basketball program. The amount of complaining and whining about, oh, well, we need the blue bloods in this final four. It doesn't feel watchable. I'm sure y'all remember it. There was a lot of complaining and moaning about oh well you know Duke and UNC well they should have won their games they should have been there and it just feels like and that was from the media and I think I think that was more or less just I I don't want to get into I don't want to pull in the tinfoil hat I think that was just the media kind of complaining about you know the viewership for those games but if we go to this system We won't have these. You'll just have the Duke, UNC, Kansas, and Villanova Invitational, probably. And I know Villanova's a little down, but that's not the point. I think we are just growing increasingly away from underdogs, and we're just, if it goes this way, it's just not going to be the same. You know, for basketball, it'll be run by those programs I just mentioned, for football, you could say, like you said, oh, well, it's kind of already ran by those same programs, like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan. Well, then it'll really be it because there won't be anyone else to, <laughs> to get in the way. So I think this is just a, a really bad move. This is one of the more passionate things I've been about where I think it's just one of the worst things they
3: could really implement if they did decide to do that. If you had the 12-team playoff last year, and let's say all the matchups from the New Year's Six were the same. Tulane would have gotten through the first round. They beat a Power Five USC team last year. And, you know, you can't – don't pull out the argument that it's, oh, USC didn't care to be – they cared to be there. This is the, the New Year's Six game. They hadn't been uh, to a New Year's Six game. Uh, this was the Lincoln Riley's – line release brought them back to a New Year's Six game. They were they were competing. They, they, tried, they were trying to win that football game. Tulane beat them. TCU beat Wisconsin in a Rose Bowl back when they were in the Mountain West. That, that would have been a playoff game. Uh, Boise State beat Oklahoma back in, the, in, in the, uh, the Fiesta Bowl. would have been a playoff game. You had a playoff game featuring Boise State and TCU uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, which would have been a playoff game. And it doesn't happen every single year. I understand that. Under, you know Nine times out of ten, the big dogs are going to dominate. But you get that one team, that one team, quote, team of destiny for their school, you're if you you know you go in you keep them out, it's you know you don't want. Are you telling me that some of these NFL stars out there that were you know really good in college but they played at a small school you don't want to see them on national TV? Don't 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 tell me that. You don't tell me you don't want to watch them on national TV.
1: So again, it's a again increasingly different time in the sport, and again that just it. Uh, on top of the already big figures floating out in NIL and, again, huge numbers in the transfer portal, when you have the proposal you did from Charlie Baker uh, a few days ago and the NCAA, again, I, I it, all this is just coming too late, and the original sin that led to it all was not having any restrictions on anything and just opening the portal. Let's just... Like fine, you want to be, you want to get in the gates. We'll open the gates, and we're not going to close them, and we're not going to be able to close them because people are going to continue flowing them in. And so, that that is the original point. Of this, and so the NCAA needed to have something ready when they when they did this. They didn't, and now there is even more bickering about it, and even more uh, confusion and disappointment, and to the point where again we could enim- uh, eliminate half of the. The teams in the sport, and I'm sorry, that's just not good for the sport. It, it will never be good for the sport. That's not what college sports is about. And I will, I will have a uh, proverbial cow, uh, basically, if if half the country gets uh, gets gets uh, deported off of the college football landscape and has to go down to some sort of FCS or anything, and at a time where you have seen growth in the sport, you have seen more teams. Uh, try to compete at a different level and that sort of thing. And some of them have had quite uh, large rises to uh, in this sport too. I mean, there's there's some schools that went from FCS to some of the best group of five schools uh, pretty instantaneously, especially in this part of the country and some of these Sunbelt teams and stuff. So, uh, and, and you look at a team like Liberty too. So uh, anyway, uh, it it is definitely on the mind at this time of year and it is something that ultimately um, will have to get sorted out, but I am concerned about the, the direction it's moving. A couple more minutes before uh, we run out of time here in hour number one. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, eight nine tiger 9 uh, Again, with the names in the portal, that's the other thing too. I, I know, TP, you said that you did not feel that there were uh, – the 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 huge names in the portal i kind of felt to the contrary because yes there is not uh caleb williams I, I don't think you'll ever get bigger than caleb williams in the portal but i know you don't like this guy but if the starting quarterback at ohio state and the starting quarterback at oklahoma are in the portal and they had an 11-1 and season at ohio state and Oklahoma had a what nine and 10 and two season, top fifteen team in the Big Twelve. That that is not normal, uh, and that might become the normal, and and that again that's might maybe where we're headed. But those are huge deals, and I know that McCord uh, is one of the lesser Ohio State quarterbacks of the last fifteen years. Well, they they pumped them out, though. They had three on one roster that were damn good, as we found out with the Cardell Jones year, and. Uh, a lot of these guys get drafted into the nfl or first round picks so that is an incredibly high bar to me i'm not again i'm not saying that hey he's undervalued but but, you know i mean 25 touchdowns 65 percent 200 something whatever yards game is like i can think of worse um but dylan gabriel too who was sniffing a heisman candidacy at times this year uh, and he was 30 touchdowns, 300 yards a game. He's he's pumped that out basically two years now. I, th- these are huge guys. Like I said it yesterday, if Gabriel follows Jeff Lebby to Mississippi State, that is a coup for Mississippi State because <laughs> Oregon is probably the front runner for him or at least someone that is very interested. And Oregon is coming off the heels of having their own Heisman candidacy out of their quarterback and being one game away from making the playoffs, one score away from making the playoffs, and yet Mississippi State's in on Gabriel. I mean that that don't don't let that's sometimes where don't let one school ruin an opinion of who this guy is. Dylan Gabriel is one of the ten seven to ten best quarterbacks in the country, and he'll have opport- every opportunity next year to be a top five quarterback in the country uh and, and so it may be some people would even have them as high as five or so this year i'm just saying conservatively top seven to ten quarterback that's a big deal that that's a big deal and so uh i guess talk we've talked the auburn angle of it but where where are some of the best fits for
2: these guys and, and throw cam ward in there too i think uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be as unbiased as I possibly can for for some of these so hang with me so I'll I'll start off with Cam Ward I'll do Cam Ward Kyle McCord and uh, Dylan Gabriel those are the three so uh, I'll start off with Cam Ward I, I personally think he'd go really well with either Ohio State or Washington but I did see that Washington got a crystal ball prediction for Will Rogers Which I think interesting. I'm about to say I think that'd be a pretty good fit as well with the offense that they uh, um, they try to run. But if they are able to get Cam Ward, I feel they'll take Cam Ward over Will Rogers. Anyway, I think uh, I think Ohio State, Oregon, or a um, a Washington. For those, would be a really good fit for Cam Ward, I think. Or maybe even a USC, but I don't know if USC's really interested. They got a really good guy that was behind Cale Williams named uh, Malachi Nelson. So, I think uh, I think those would be for there. So, for McCord, I think – I saw he took a visit to Nebraska, which was very strange. It had to be for football because yeah. there's not much <laughs> else going on. I, I, I didn't think he was going to see the nightlife in Nebraska, <laughs> but um, – sure but uh i think he'd have a really good fit with um i think a really good fit with miami i think that'd be a really good system down there i think he'd do really well they run a very pro style and i think that's what he van needs van dyke's in the portal by yeah, way, too. yeah van dyke yeah. you know he's i think he'll go somewhere pretty good i think he has a lot of talent but i think coaching down there is just awful <laughs> but even though i i was very pro mario his stint at miami's just been outside of recruiting, has been kind of a failure. But uh, anyway, so I think a Miami or an NC State would be a good landing spot for McCord. And Gabriel, you mentioned it. First of all, I'd like to say I was stunned to see him enter the portal. I thought he would either enter the draft or he'd just stay at Oklahoma because there was no – I knew Levy left, but even then, Oklahoma fans were talking about how they were driving them crazy. And so – and that's okay, you know. So he went off to Mississippi State, and uh, I think – Dylan Gabriel, I do think he'll go to Oregon. There's a lot of uh, smoke around there. But in the current day and age – oh, I'll add one more after this one. He's pretty good. He's a young guy. But uh, I think he'll go to Oregon. I think that's a really good fit there. With them joining the Big Ten, I think that would be a really – big hole to fill, and I think Gabriel would do a really good job of uh, fulfilling that need. Uh, but if he doesn't go to Oregon, I think Mississippi State would be uh, a great landing spot since Levy was there, and he has two years under his belt with that system, and I think those would be the two spots for him. And one more before I hand it off to Brooks. Dante Moore. Dante Moore, yeah, because that's who I'd forgotten about. So he was terrible with USC. I mean, not USC, UCLA. Uh, but, but... Five-star guy. About to say five-star one. guy. You're playing with UCLA talent, which isn't very high. They're a very good academic school and basketball school. They just haven't really – Chip Kelly's a really bad recruiter, and uh, and that's very well known. So wasn't playing with the best talent out there, but nevertheless they still went 7-5, and five and it was a carousel at quarterback. I think a lot of suitors will be for him. I've read Ohio State's interested. I've read that um, uh, Miami's interested. Uh, but all the big programs that you would expect, um, I, I could see him going to like uh, – I don't know if they would take him, and uh, maybe this is just me going for it, but I could see him going to, like, LSU because I know Daniels is leaving, and uh, I think he could really fit that mold really well there. I know they have uh, Grant uh, Nesmeyer, I believe his last name is. Garrett Br- Nesmeyer. G- Garrett, Garrett, not Grant. But uh, I think that'd be a pretty I good I don't fit. know if
1: I'd lean on him, though. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would yet. still go
2: with Dante Moore. I, I know he's from Michigan but uh, it doesn't seem like the Michigan schools are really interested. I guess Michigan feels pretty confident in someone they're bringing, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Dante Moore would be a pretty good fit with LSU, and now I'm going to toss over to Brooks. <laughs> well, well, Brooks, uh, no. I, I,
1: hate to, I hate to break it to you, but uh, we are out of time. No, <laughs> I talk out. too much. Number one. Uh, we will get your word on the transfer portal quarterbacks coming up in hour number two. We'll lead off the hour that way. We'll also get into some NFL in hour number two as another week of NFL is on the way as uh, there's a Thursday night game that will happen tonight and then other other games this weekend. So we'll talk a lot more college and pro football coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Our number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Coming up in a little bit, we'll change the topic into the NFL, but... Uh, we'll also grab some of your phone calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line. But first, wanted to start off hour number two, piggybacking off the end of hour number one. TP was giving his thoughts on where some of these top four or five big transfer transfer portal quarterbacks were going to be headed. And Brooks wanted to give you the opportunity to answer here before we moved on. Any, any thoughts on the fit for some of these guys and – uh, and their involvement with with some of these big schools across the country.
3: Um, so I, I, you know, don't know. I'm, I'm going to throw out some some names or some schools with names that I don't know if there is any connection with them right now. But I think that they could be good fits there. Uh, and I looked back at I, I looked back at some of these guys' recruiting profiles at 247 Sports, uh, who offered them in the first time, and, and who they were, who was on their lists the first time they were, uh, you know, trying. They were being recruited. Uh, I'll, I'll start things out. Uh, Cam Ward. I, I I think he could make a be a guy. Uh, go back home to the state of Texas, and uh, go to Texas A&M. I think that they they they're a team that. Uh, with Mike Elko, they like, could you know use a new uh, a dynamic starting quarterback to come in there and, and kind of help jumpstart the Mike Elko era uh, at in College Station. I think he could be a fit down there and like I said, go home to the state of Texas and uh, be a, and and have a have some success there. Um, the uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Kyle McCord from Ohio State. Yeah, I, I like the TP before the break. You threw out the um, the, the Miami fit, and I like that. I, I think that could be a really good fit. Another team that I think could be a good fit uh, is him staying in conference in, in the Big Ten and going to Penn State. Uh, I think that that could be a, a, a place that he could fit in uh, at Penn State. Now, would he be a guy that could get James Franklin over that hump? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but I think that, uh, going back maybe, and you know, maybe he's just staying somewhere on the East coast. Maybe he goes down to a, a team like a, a Maryland or a West Virginia or somewhere like that, uh, that, that could also be a good fit for him. Um, Dylan Gabriel, I think following Lebby to Mississippi State could be really fun. Uh, it, it would be a, 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 a spot that could uh, help revitalize Mississippi State here and, and get them back on a winning track. I'll tell you one interesting one. He was recruited out of high school for this school. The coach was not there uh, at that, that, that recruited him at a high school. Uh, but if he were to, uh, to go out west and go to USC – and join forces with Lincoln Riley. I think that could be something that could be uh, could be very very interesting. I think I could you could see him fitting into Lincoln Riley's offense, and it would be a uh, you know very interesting to see. You know, Caleb Williams already said he's not going to be in the bowl game, and so it's uh, it would be an interesting going from Caleb Williams to Dylan Gabriel. Uh, also, it would make Oklahoma fans very very mad yeah. that uh, that he would uh, leave them and go follow Lincoln Riley go to to where Lincoln Riley would be.
1: How concerned would you be about Lincoln Riley if he did not have an elite quarterback?
3: Uh, extremely.
1: <laughs> I, I know that part of it is he does get the most out of these guys, but USC really went off the tracks with Caleb Williams still trying to just fling it around this year. And defense is – it's not even optional. It's not required. I mean, it, like it's its its not even uh, – it's not a prereq or anything for, for USC teams or Lincoln Riley teams, I should say and uh if lord forbid they ever miss on one of these quarterbacks i'd be very interested to see what that riley team looked like because he's made a living off of that and i know the quarterback is obviously the most important position for anyone but with how bad those defenses are they miss one time either recruit or portal with their quarterback uh that that could get very very ugly very quickly so that that did that's something that's on my mind every time they need to need to change quarterbacks.
3: Well, I, I tell you what, uh, I, and I know this is an outlier year because it was 2020, but you look at their at Lincoln Riley when he w- had Spencer Rattler as his quarterback, and and Spencer Rattler's still on the you know the, the more positive side of quarterbacks. But uh, they went nine and two overall, six and two in conference play. They lost two conference games. Hadn't done that the previous three years with uh, the likes of Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts. They'd only lost one conference game those years, and so you, you saw what he uh, he, he kind of took Again,
1: a, just a little dip, little, yeah, a little and dip. it's
3: and it's not like you know it, normally you would look say, oh, you lost one more conference game, yeah, whatever. But with the way that they had been going uh, with with Lincoln Riley there, that's you see that little dip. You're like, hmm. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's directly tied to the quarterbacks with him for sure. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 9 tiger 9 they join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Today we go there for the first time here in hour number two. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today?
4: Hey, I'm doing fantastic, guys, because you make my day again by taking my phone call. So uh, I'm being, being facetious. I read. You know, I love you guys.
1: Oh, we appreciate uh, two that,
4: things, man. One of the few things I, I look forward to during the day. So thank you for being available to me. Now, how about some more damn Cam Coleman?
1: Yes, sir. Big night last did night. Did
4: you see what he did last night in the fourth quarter? 74-yarder. Yeah, to, to clinch their win for 7A title.
1: Yeah, no, a lot of people said it had some DK Metcalf in him.
4: <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, you know... I really enjoyed listening to uh, some really well thought out comments between you, Ron, and uh, and Tom last night about on the I looked to the podcast uh, about Peyton Thorn about um, you know who should we be looking at, and not looking at, and why not they looking at anybody. And so this morning on uh, two four seven Sports, uh, the guy known as Dukes or Philip Dukes, he's one of their insiders recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked him, "How do you know these things? Are you there?" He says, "No." But uh, to, you know, do we give away uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken secret recipe? Um, no one. So, so, anyway, he says he knows people who were there at these uh, home visits. So, what I'm bringing up is Mr. Bolton. KJ, he says, is very concerned with the talent around him because uh, they had a home visit with him. Uh, Hugh Freeze did, and who uh, uh, was it Zach Etheridge I think was there with him. Yes. Uh, and. Uh, some some bullets on here. I want to share with you guys that uh, bring to question uh, about the quarterback situation. Uh, he said that the Auburn secondary coach Zach Etheridge went over different ways that KG, uh, KJ will be using secondary. Uh, in fact, he told me he can play every, every position. But KJ apparently also wants to play offense. I didn't know that. Did you guys know that?
1: Oh, I did not. Yeah, I, I did not know that.
4: Yeah. Uh, and so She uh, Free said that they were, could probably use him uh, on both sides, about 10 snaps a game, uh, rather a full-time two-way player. And then KJ said he wanted to know about Auburn's quarterback situation. And here's what Freeze, according to Philip Dukes, said, said. He Freeze stressed the fact that while Auburn is keeping its options open, the Tigers are confident that Peyton Thorn can be successful as quarterback. Freeze pointed out that Thorne's improved play over the season was evidence that with a whole year in the system, the results would be more consistent. You guys, give me your thoughts on this, because, you know, I I mean, I had some doubts about Peyton Thorne. I thought he was much better than he was going to be. But, yeah, we know probably if, let's say, 25% of those catches that were dropped had been not dropped, maybe we'd have at least eight wins.
1: Well, you know, I, I don't know how it would quantify to, to win and losses because uh, also some of those the biggest drops I thought of were actually in games that they won. Now they did you know, have some impactful drops, you know, like Fairweather and the Iron Bowl and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think that that is the question that divides a lot of people right now, and it's something that in the last couple of weeks, clearly Hugh Freeze and Auburn staff have gravi- gravitated more towards the idea of Thorne being the quarterback in next year now, He's only got one more year of eligibility, and I would again kind of think of it as a way of letting someone that they're comfortable enough with. I don't think that they love Peyton. I don't think. I don't think really a lot of people love Peyton Thorne but someone that they're comfortable with and believe there's more to get out of him, while evaluating the first year on campus for Walker White, plus another year of Holden Gardner probably in second team reps, assuming something happens with Ashford. So. I think that it is more of a, you know, that may. I mean, look, they're going. They need to be convicted in what they believe. They need to believe that that he is going to make a, a big step just because of the receivers around him. We and to be fair, we again, there's a line of thinking that supports that because we talked about earlier in this show. Uh, there are five Auburn wide receivers that are either out of eligibility or in the transfer portal. And guess what? There's not one name that everybody's like, oh, man, can't believe they're losing him. That's a big loss. I mean, this receiver room was filled with a bunch of guys that did not produce. I think their best receivers were at the same position in Javarius Johnson and Jay Fair. So we know what they're bringing in. We know that those two slot guys for now are going to be on this team next year, and and they subscribe to the opinion, whether we agree with it or not, that uh, the receivers alone that are coming in here are going to make... Uh, a big difference because they're going to be vastly more talented.
4: And so, guys, we're not on the inside. We don't go to their meetings. So I'm saying, well, how can we be smarter than the people who get paid millions of dollars, right? And when I saw that word, I mean, that's a strong word. Uh, the uh, the Phil Dukes, you know, wrote in, he said, oh, please stress the fact that they are confident that Peyton Thorne can be successful as a quarterback. I said, wow. Uh, I mean, I don't know what evidence they gave him for that or what video clips. I mean, I'm not that confident. Um, so I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm well, again, that's tied...
1: Again, Steve, that's tied to their, their belief that that a lot of it was more on the receivers and, and more on, on other factors that were not Peyton Thorne. And, again, I, I may not all agree with that. I do think they'll get more out of him with, with better receivers, absolutely. I don't think there was... A wide array of very poor inaccurate passes sure we could find one or two a game but that will happen uh i thought the accuracy was there the decision making i think did get better i know freeze did not like it in the early part of the year uh but but look that this they do need to put their money where their mouth is in the in the sense of if they're confident they need to prove it because They weren't confident in him in the first half of the year either. That's why they kept uh, shifting quarterbacks and they had a package for Ashford and then they had to go to Ashford for the whole half here and there. And so uh, that waned, obviously, at the end of the year. And I think that was proof that they did become more confident in Peyton Thorne, but they've got to stay true to the word there. And if they're going to say Thorne's their guy, then they need Peyton Thorne to get all the reps and they don't need him looking over the shoulder for any reason and and still confidence there. So. Uh, you know, this is probably step one of instilling confidence is publicly or not necessarily publicly, but kind of laying along the tea leaves of, yeah, we're not really going after many guys or any guys that we're, uh, we're confident in you. Uh, and, and that helps him out in the, in the confidence department. But, uh, again, that that is a 180 change from what we saw in the first half of the year.
4: And, you know, I, I, I recall just recently, um, asking uh, you guys and, and, and Tom said you know, he didn't see Peyton Tors being an FC quarterback and he thought that his ceiling might be no more than eight or nine wins do I recall that correctly or did I yeah no that's, that
1: that's absolutely what Thomas said yes
4: so if that's the case I wonder what few priests and other coaches are seeing Paton that we've overlooked I, do you think it's just what you think that they're just biding time next year's sort of like a throwaway season?
1: I don't think it's complete throwaway but like I said I I do I do think of it as it's someone that they are comfortable with that they do think can get better and I agree with that as well. I don't know what the real ceiling is because I don't think I don't think it's all on one player even at the quarterback position to tell you exactly what a team's ceiling is. I mean again if you can have one of the great quarterbacks in the country, and if your defense is, is gone awful, you can't win all those games. Ask Jaden Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels – I promise Jaden Daniels was capable of winning 12 games. He, he could have gone somewhere and been perfect, but their defense was one I of – I
4: think, yeah, about that. I think Jaden Daniels had been with us, we probably could have won 10 games.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they – absolutely. I, I think – because Auburn's defense was, quite frankly, better than LSU's. So And, and, what? and, and you see uh, how the uh, Iron Bowl and stuff in You know, what
4: about Bo Nix? I think about him, you know. He was not very consistent with us, but look what he did at Washington. And I wonder, what could Bo Nix have done with staying if he'd stayed with us as quarterback? Probably won 10 games at least?
0: Uh,
1: okay, so here Bo, – Bo is way more complicated because sometimes guys need a change, and, and sometimes they need uh, a completely different situation. Recall, he transferred before – obviously Hugh Freeze, right and so if he's with harson for another year i'm sorry i'm just not gonna buy that bo Nix becomes uh, yeah. what he did at oregon under brian harson i think there was obviously still room to get better and we saw at auburn there were some really high highs i mean there were some really great moments uh but the the unfortunate thing was is he couldn't bring it game to game and he had his problems he was not blameless certainly he uh a lot of maybe maybe more than what was deserved was cast on him uh, but you know, again, there, there. Sometimes for guys, there just needs to be a different situation, a different coach, a different sit, a different school, a different system, a, just just something different. So Nick's is more tricky uh, with that, but but certainly with different quarterbacks and, and higher quarterback play, that would have changed the equation for Auburn a lot. But again, I want to go just real briefly again back to the original point here is that I think that they with the ceiling i don't think they're really worried too much about what Thorne's ability to win x amount of games is i think that their look at it from the total package standpoint of we got to get multiple things a little bit better it's not just quarterback we need to get the receivers a lot better we need to get a little bit more offensive line. We need to get more pass rush. We need to get more physical at the point of attack. So I, they're, they're working on a lot of different things. I don't think that they're at the point where they're – put it to put it to you this way. They're investing still in the future. Their, their mindset is they are playing a longer game than just one year. Now, when the moment of truth comes in a couple of years, when these classes are sophomore juniors, and seniors, uh, that's when they will probably invest in a transfer portal quarterback if they do not – have a big one here on campus, whether that be Walker White or somebody else, that's when they will probably shift to, at all costs, got to win now. But right now, they are still working on the foundation, and I think that's why they've probably leaned more of their time, resource, and money into the high school route than a portal quarterback.
4: You know what? Everything you said has merit. If we were living in the old days of college football, where you let people get experience, you know, and they uh, gain – uh, more skill sets, but what I'm concerned about is, hey, if I'm a coach now, especially in the SEC, I can't count on my, my best players signing to stay with me, right? Sure. I mean, we've got sure. five Sure, That is people. a real worry. They're, they're, they're getting the heck out of uh, Ohio State, uh, out of uh, Southern Cal. Uh, Their quarterback is not even playing play in the bowl game. Uh, there's no guarantees. I'm saying, well, you know, if somebody like Cam Ward is available, you know, don't wait for next year. Go ahead and get him. Uh, that's my concern. And then I remember what Keith said last night, and I, I kind of buy it. You know, right now, just go out and buy a whole damn team. Don't wait for these high school people. Get them from Georgia. Get them from Alabama. You know, buy them off.
1: Well, again, people think that money will just flow that way every single time. That's not really what he was saying. He was just giving you the hypothetical. He's not well, saying yeah, someone should do that.
4: Screen, but it's gets to that point where. You can't. You can't. I don't think you can wait anymore for two, three years to develop a player. Uh, They may be gone again.
1: Well, again, there there will be some cases, but the strong the strong programs will still keep the majority of the guys they need, Uh, and that and that's not going to change. It's not. uh, If you're at a great situation with a good coach that's either improving or on top, you'll bleed some guys, sure, but you won't bleed guys that will actually make you bleed a lot. You you won't have guys depart from your program that are going to cripple you. Those are guys that are not going to play a lot. And, for example, I mean, Auburn's had seven guys go in the portal, but you tell me the one that Auburn can't live without because there isn't one right now. So, uh, you know, growing programs and successful programs in this climate will, yes, still lose some guys. But if you are truly making strides, you will not lose too many guys that will actually impact you in a negative way.
4: Well, I hope that your perspective is the correct one, Uh, the one that will be – Although uh, the reality is all these people just coming out and you know, left-right Marcus Gilbert, we lost him.
1: Yeah, again, yeah, that's I, not somebody that's been playing, player. though. It's I not-
4: know, um, but he was two years with us. And, and I'm starting to feel like I, don't know who, I used to root for certain people. Now I don't know who to root for because I don't know if they're going to be with Auburn very uh, much longer. All right, speaking of who's going to be maybe possibly gone when coaching, I saw this little rumor started uh, today. Ron Roberts, possibly being a rumor – that he's being considered a head coach at Tulane. Guys, uh, Do you have you heard anything? Is there any credibility to that? I,
1: I, I have not. I have not seen I, it. I had heard nothing about that, no.
4: Okay. Uh, anyway, apparently uh, there's just heard he may get looked at as Tulane head coach. Uh, so I don't know if you guys had heard any, any rumor uh, to that effect.
1: No, I, I, I have not seen, to be fair, a candidate list for Tulane. Uh, but I, I have also not seen Ron Roberts a part of any coaching search.
4: And I, I I would, I would not want to lose him. Uh, well, what was your thoughts, guys?
1: Yeah, no, I think he did a, a, a pretty darn good job this year. Obviously, it wasn't perfect. They needed to generate more pass rush. He tried to do that with blitzing from time to time, and it still did not we always had a personnel. Uh, right, still did not always pan out. But I mean, again, I think that. Regardless of what the statistics were, they gave him real chances in, in really all these games. Only only the, I say the only two bad plans slash really just not good defensive games were truly the LSU New Mexico State games, and everything else that the defense was uh, giving Auburn a, a, a good shot at winning. So I, I think he passed year one for sure, uh, and I would I would not want to have to replace him. All
4: right, in the brighter side of uh, Auburn football, I uh, just saw this. Apparently, three of our Auburn players have earned uh, freshman all-SEC honors. Mr. Alex. McPherson. And, and uh, Connor Liu. And uh, Paul Kedrick. Did you guys see those?
1: Uh, I, I, I did get a quick look at that, I believe, yeah.
4: Okay. And I don't play golf, guys. So I didn't know what is this is this stuff about. But apparently, uh, there's been some rule changes uh, in the uh, golf world. Have you seen it?
2: I think I know what you're talking about. Are you talking about how they're going to mess with the balls?
4: Yeah, the rollback announcement.
2: Yeah, I think I, I think that's like a, I think that's a load of garbage that they're going to do that personally. But I do know what you're talking about.
4: Yeah, do you guys play golf?
2: Yeah, I do. I
4: Sparingly. Do. Yeah. Okay. Well, apparently they're uh, they're looking at uh, making this a, a definite rule that uh, starting in 2025, I think that apparently they like it that there's been a lot of innovations in golf balls and apparently in clubs that they're hitting them too dang far.
1: Yeah, I, that is a sentiment right now. I will tell you though that the way to really get golf you know some some people say well should you lengthen the course and that sort of thing, just make the stuff tighter. Make it tighter fairways, longer rough, deeper bunkers. That stuff will, I promise, weed out the people that, yeah, sure, if they, you drive it 360 yards, great. If you're in a bunker, you're not making birdie. Or if you, if the rough is long like a U.S. Open, you're not getting out of there alive. So uh, I think that, yes, length has maybe eaten up some, some golf courses, uh, but there are still ways to prepare and build – and construct golf courses to make them challenging for the long hitters, and and not not make it all about length.
4: Uh, right here, this whole kind of humor some golf courses are worried about because so do we have to keep changing our damn golf course, you know, or do we have to make it m- much more treacherous for for people with these rules? Uh, that, that was kind of funny. I mean, you keep extending and making uh, uh, the, the the tee shots longer. Uh, what uh, I mean, it sounds like every time uh, the uh, developers for golf clubs and for uh, and, and for, for golf balls get better at it, then it's like a uh, um, I don't know arms war is that is that the best way to call it? Then they got to uh, find a way to to, be, to stop the innovators from getting better.
1: Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say arms war. I would just say it's a strategic battle. Uh, and I you know I don't think that I don't think that there uh, there hasn't been this kind of discussion around it until the last several years because of uh, because of the equipment. But, again, I would tell you that if it was all about length, then Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and Rory McIlroy would just win every single week. And they don't. They're really good players. They win from time to time. But there is no one dominating this sport right now, period. And, and it, just because you're long or, or, or an average length hitter, uh, it does not disqualify you or give you a better shot at it. So – uh, I I don't think that the the length problem at the at the PGA level uh, is necessarily as bad as people think it is. I think that uh, course designers will always want to be proud of a tough course, and maybe there are a few less because of the length. But the truly tough ones are tough, not because of length, but because of the the hazards that surround it.
4: That's how what I thought, but I just didn't know if you knew what triggered all of a sudden this uh, this issue.
1: Uh. Just, I, I don't know if the, i don't know of the specific thing but but again it just it average driving distance and stuff does increase every couple of years so i think it's just a response to that meeting of meeting a mark that makes people uncomfortable all
4: right now guys do you know anything an update about what happened with the non-conference yesterday they're supposed to have uh for the uh, orange bowl uh, between fourth state and uh, georgia
1: no nothing else has come come of that
4: okay uh now tomorrow friday we'll Talk about, talk about Indiana, uh, but I guess I'm not even anymore going to ask you, is, is this a swift free game? Uh, I, I almost feel like uh, every game on here from now, there's no guarantee and there's no easy games for us. Am I right to conclude that?
1: Uh, for the most part, there's still one or two in the non-conference. Uh, Indiana is not one of them that I would think for all the world uh, Auburn would win because there will be home games and, and Auburn losing – uh to alabama state at home i mean i'm sorry just auburn should not be doing that ever and if they do that they're not going to the ncaa tournament to be quite honest with you uh and then they've also got like penn and chattanooga and those teams can give you a game for a while but again at neville arena auburn should not be losing those games that app state game was because it was a road game uh and, and auburn shot ungodly bad so th- that that uh, this Indiana game is still way different, and so is the USC game. But there's still some three or four games left in non conference that Auburn should absolutely win. No no questions asked.
4: Okay. Whew. I can take a deep <laughs> breath then. All right. With that said, guys, thank you for your time. My time is always way, way up. So y'all have a relaxing afternoon and evening. Thank you again for taking my phone calls, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Warriors, guys.
1: Warriors, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired or Am Steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. We'll talk a little NFL. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger
5: 95.9.
1: back to the Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Can I just say,
3: yes, I, I know can. we've got, we're, we're, we're not going to, we don't talk NBA on this show that much, but we've got the in-season tournament, the semifinal game on right now, the first one. First off, why did it start at four?
1: I can't. I can't have a great answer to that. That's in Las Vegas. It's not an Eastern.
3: So that's. Thing. It, I don't know. So well, that's either okay,
1: three or two then. It's be, okay. Let me give you this. I will give you this. They could have started at five, but it is being played at the same court, and so I surmise that they are not wanting, for, because they're trying to maximize the ratings for a very rare time in the regular season. They don't want the Lakers playing too too late, because they're playing eight o'clock Central, and so it's could- nine o'clock Eastern.
3: And I was uh, because and you know you could also make the argument I guess they don't want to go fully up against the you know both games going up against the NFL tonight, but I can tell you they they don't have a problem there. I I know the team that they're going to be watching. (laughs) They don't have a problem with that. I, if it wasn't my team, I'd be watching the Lakers instead.
1: Hey, Shield rules all. (laughs) But they they did again. Like I said, if you're playing this at four, NBA games take two and a half hours. So it's over at six thirty, and then an hour and a half later, the Lakers. Well, you could have jammed it a little closer, but I think they're probably were trying to allow for what if you get overtime and thirty minutes. Of war. You know, I, I like, I don't, I don't know. I think they wanted to make it a little safer for making sure they don't have to move times on people. But yeah, it's very odd. It's objectively odd to see any NBA game start on a weekday at four o'clock.
3: The the real reason I brought this up though was that the court. Looks like something I would have come up with in two K. Like you make custom, make your court. It hurts. It, it's it's. I don't. Why did they do these weird courts for the in season tournament?
1: To make it stand out. Well, it's standing and, out. I can well, tell you
3: that it's doing that. And
1: the funny thing is, and this is just my opinion. Everyone out there in the NBA world yeah. really loves it, and I think they are all, most, not all, most of them are are not great. Most of them are, are are very distracting, and I guess that was the point. Again, they're trying to market something differently. Again, you talk to NBA people, and they're they're saying this has all been pretty much a raging success. And I I don't know. I'm just it, I'm just way more non-committal on it. I'm not I've not cared that
3: much. If you told me this court was made of trampolines, I'd believe you because that's it looks like something <laughs> that you'd find at the trampoline park.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, because watching my teams like. Okay, Golden State blew one to Sacramento last week. They should have won. My first thought was, oh, no. Or my first thought was not, excuse me, oh, no, they're not going to continue on in the midseason tournament. My thought was, oh, no, they just blew a huge lead and now got a loss in the regular season for it. I had nothing. It was just part of one of 82 to me because these are. All these, except for the the final, are are, – are regular season games counting, too. So they count for the in-season tournament and regular season, and uh, only the championship final, the mid-season tournament, does not count. So I was just more focused on, hey, don't lose basketball games when you're only, like, 500 right now for my teams. But, again, I I think that it has been well-received. I'm still not a huge fan of it, and they've certainly put a lot of resource into it and – I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the fans have loved it, but
3: I, 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 I mean, agree. I, I the format. I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the mid season turn, like the in season turn. I've always. It's just the court. I just don't like it's. It, and that's my biggest. Did you st-
1: end up seeing all thirty of them? Because everyone had them. I know you...
3: everybody had them. Yeah, I saw a few. I, I, I don't know if I yeah, saw. Yeah, there's everybody's. a couple that are
1: fine. There's a couple that make. It's
3: sense. really this one where you've got a full it's on Boise State mixed with yeah. Eastern Washington. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it's it's again i agree with you i i'm not a i'm not not overjoyed by any of it but hey it's produced some at least mildly entertaining games but i'll tell you what these are still function a lot like the other regular season games so if you're an nba fan you you still watch this all the time yep there was plenty of close games in the league last night hawks lost by a point golden state won by four clippers beat a good nuggets team like those were not in-season in season tournament games because they're all eliminated, and it was just fine. But I guess it's just raising awareness for the middle of the NBA season. I don't know.
3: I'm going to say a full slate tomorrow night of pro games, of NBA games.
1: Yep, because, uh, again, they the, the teams that got eliminated still were only scheduled for 80 games. Everyone was scheduled for 80 games, and then you either made the in-season tournament uh, semis and you were guaranteed two more games or quarters or semi yeah quarters you guarantee another game and then you lose they add another one with one of the other teams that lost and then uh all the teams that didn't make the quarters you just got two games added to the schedule uh, on this wednesday and friday that's that's how they did it sure
3: uh and it's uh it's just (sighs) tp what do you think
2: I think that these are just really – these in-season tournaments, you know, I thought it would be a little bit more entertaining, but then I realized something – I really like to watch football whenever <laughs> football is still in season more than basketball. I think Ryan probably does this as well, a, a noted NBA watcher himself. I feel like we get a lot more, and this is just me and my friend group who love the NBA, we really start to watch the NBA once football starts to die down or right around. I usually go... Whenever the playoffs are going on, the NFL playoffs, I'll start to get back into it. I I don't like to wait till after the Super Bowl, but I can. I feel like I I know what they were going for, for more viewership and more mattering and caring. But now it's just incredibly confusing because I have people calling me asking me what the heck is this on my tv and i can't explain it to him because i think it, like you said it looks like a my team court it looks like someone's going to come out in some weird custom jerseys of like some youtuber's face on the jersey and bring out prime michael jordan with you know big z at center so it's just uh i i, I like the idea but the execution and the marketing's been really off for me uh, tp i watched nba all all
1: season Okay, so every, I'm not every, like Ryan. I watched the Warriors last night. I was so mad they were losing. Well, whenever your team time. is
2: the Detroit Pistons, you can't really <laughs> watch them that much because you just you're just you know you know how the outcomes going to come. 18 straight losses now. So <laughs> yeah, no, you're a special case here because of how
1: how rough they've been. But no, I I I've said it before you, you I don't know if I've said it to you before. Uh, I know it's not popular say around the South, but. The NBA is my favorite sport, so I watch it year-round, watch all the teams. And that's why I know that Jokic took, like, 32 shots last night against the Clippers. Yeah. And, well, whenever like,
2: your team is uh, – whenever you see from the Detroit Free Press that your team is, quote, on pace for the worst season ever in NBA history and they've been playing for a long time, what a little hard to keep up <laughs> with <yeah>. right now. <laughs> yeah, find, find a secondary team. you have a secondary team? Uh – no <laughs> think about it think, think, think on that one think on that one.
1: locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine we'll get to some nfl discussion in a little bit but for now let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line
0: james from montgomery
1: james is with us james how are you today
5: i'm good and war eagle war eagle <clears throat> Yeah, I know that a lot of people have been asking about will Auburn actually win this huge bowl game uh, this coming up weekend against uh, Missouri. I mean, not Missouri, but um, uh, who who will Auburn play for the bowl game?
1: Yeah, they're playing Maryland, and that is going to be uh, December 30th.
5: Okay, because I've been, you know, I've been hearing a lot about this team, about this Maryland team. I looked at their stats, and um, Maryland—I mean, Maryland and Auburn on paper—they're good. But I think this is going to be a great opportunity for Auburn to rise up and uh, win this, win this bowl game this time around, and and. uh, in Nashville, Tennessee as well.
2: Yeah, I've gotten a chance to watch a lot of Maryland football this year. Quarterback and wide receiver room are really good. Their mm-hmm. uh, quarterback, uh, Talia Tagovola. Um, I, I might have butchered. Talia. Talia, thank you. I always butcher his name. But uh, hard name to pronounce. He's he's really good. Whenever their receiving core is on, they're, they're really strong, but their defense is a lot to be desired. But uh, I, think mm-hmm. Aub- I think Auburn could be able to run with them, and I think it will be a pretty high-scoring game up there in Nashville.
5: Yeah, because I was looking at this uh, Maryland team with uh, Tua talking about brother, and he looks just like his brother, but I'm not quite sure what Auburn team will I be looking at. Will I be looking at the 2013 uh, Auburn team where we played against, uh, against like, uh, uh, not Michigan, but um, the last bowl game that we were in?
1: Uh, well, the 2013 team played uh, Florida State in the national championship.
5: Yeah, so I'm I'm actually going to see if we're going to get like the 2013 Auburn Tigers or the 2014 Auburn Tigers or the 2010 Auburn Tigers with Cam Newton. But I'm just going to see how Peyton Thornton is going to do at the end of December. So I don't know if he's going to make any like make any mistakes or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I highly doubt we're going to see a team that reminds us of 2010 or 2013 at this point. I, I think they ended up being uh, okay, but certainly not a, a very good team at 6-6, six and six. and so uh, I hope that they do play better. I hope that Peyton Thorne specifically plays well, uh, especially if mm-hmm. Auburn's going to go with him uh, next year, and I hope that we continue to see growth there, but uh, yeah, no, I think that Uh, A lot of teams will have so many guys that are already transferring. Numbers will be a little different and that sort of thing, so it will be very interesting.
5: Yeah, because I know know Peyton Thornton, I know he's coming from another school to come to play at Auburn, but if the transfer portal opens up, will you see – I've been hearing a lot of people – in my Twitter asking me they want Bo Nix to come back, and I just say no because, you know, he's doing a really good job there in Oregon. But uh, other people in my uh, Twitter page, they want to see another quarterback coming in for Auburn to make uh, Auburn actually win games. And I don't – I mean, it could happen if Peyton Thornton doesn't play – like he should, but I don't know who or what the transfer portal might look like in the near future for Auburn. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people have a, a great idea who's going to end up where. It's still very early in the process, but we know there's a lot of names out there and so a lot of potential movement.
5: Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking at like some recruiters, I mean some recruitments that are coming in for the 2020. 2020- five 2020, well 2024 2025 25 season but I just look at these uh, highlights from these uh, high school players and and they're not you know they they just I, I don't know if they're if they're auburn ready to to actually make Auburn push forward with with them as well well
1: sometimes recruits aren't ready their freshman year that's standard that, that happens a lot of places but sometimes you get a, a few very special players and they are able to to start and uh and very uh very aptly contribute in the first first year of the the program and i think that auburn has a couple of those guys in this class these five-star guys so uh we will have to see and maybe in some cases temper a few expectations but i think auburn's gotten a few guys that absolutely will have a chance to, to help them out right away
5: Yes, as well because with bowl season right around the corner, um, I've been talking to a lot of Alabama fans and uh, seeing if their predictions might be right for Auburn. I mean, for Alabama and Michigan, and a lot of people, it's like a 50-50 uh, shot. And people saying that Michigan is going to beat Alabama, so I'm just going to see on their word. This coming up weekend, uh, I mean, not this weekend, but on uh, January the first that they're playing, I got to look at their schedule.
1: Yeah, it is January the 1st, and that is two of the great programs of all time and the sport uh, and mm-hmm. two huge brands, and there will there will be a lot of eyeballs on that one.
5: Yeah, so I'm going to be watching Michigan because I was uh, asking a lot of people, uh, you know, when was their last time that Alabama ever played in a big bowl game, and somebody was saying that they played in the Rose Bowl, and I looked at it, and I would have to – I would have to say it could happen if Alabama goes to the Rose Bowl. And I was asking other people, will Nick Saban retire if he wins the national championship next year in 2024? And people saying no, he's still he's still going to be at the University of Alabama. Which I don't know. It, it could be, you know, it could be his time right now. So yeah. time would tell.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, James. I think that uh, we'll see uh, with Nick Saban. I know that is getting to be more year-to-year now, and it really could happen just about any year, but I don't think Saban's going to announce anything ahead of time. I think that he'll kind of uh, say it at the end of a season, and, and maybe it's this season, but maybe it's still three or four seasons off. I don't know, but I do think that it will be happening in the next handful of years, and and we'll just we'll just have to see when it does.
5: Yes, as well, because I know a lot of people um, are asking. Well, to you know, go on a different page in, in sports. I was looking at um, you know because with the NFL playoffs, uh, you know, well, with the playoffs in the in the in the playoff hunt, I'm looking at like Tampa Bay trying to make a, a huge uh, margin to the Super Bowl. I'm looking at Dallas to see if we're going to play. Um, a really good, a good uh, Philadelphia Eagles team, but I think Dallas might win this one this weekend. This coming up Sunday, because I know that Prescott, he's he's getting his name being put in the MVP race for it, so I think he's gonna do good. And for the Super Bowl, I would like to see Dallas and Pittsburgh play in the in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas as well.
1: Uh, those are two teams that would be able to compete there. Now Dallas is, as you said, got a big game this weekend. I'm really looking forward to watching that Cowboys and Eagles game. The Cowboys have a shot at winning that division, especially if they can win that game. Uh, and Philadelphia mm-hmm. is, is a little bit uh, shaken after the way they got beat at home by San Francisco last week. So I'm really looking forward to that game. And then Pittsburgh, their offense has just been so rough. It's tough for me to see them going deep, but they are in a playoff position right now.
5: Yeah, because I would be uh, watching that game, um, you know, later on and in, in, uh, seeing how they're going to how they're going to look. Because with my with my Cowboys, I know uh, Stephen A. Smith. I know he's an Eagles fan, and every time he's always he's always making like you know little jokes about you know the Eagles. They're they're the number one team. They're this. They're that. No, the Eagles are not the number one team. It's the Cowboys' year to win, and I'm I'm gonna just say this because I'm a I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, as you all can see. Or as y'all could tell, that I'm a Cowboys fan as well. But you know, Stephen A. I, I I just have to say he he's not a fan of any any sports team as well. I don't know where he gets his information from because I always listen to him on First Take, and some of his commentary is is not on point at
1: at all. So so you don't like Stephen A. Then
5: I I, I really don't like him at all because he he's He's always saying that the the Eagles are going to go back to the Super Bowl. No, it, it won't be no time soon for the Eagles to go to a Super Bowl. I mean, give it to another team that that's never made it to a Super Bowl. I've I've, I've seen you know uh, I've seen the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I've seen uh, you know you know the you know it, it has to be somebody else in the super bowl i mean it's other teams out there so other teams in the nfl need to make it to the super bowl
1: as well well i think some will at some point but obviously got to knock off the top teams too to get there
5: yes as well and then i'm actually looking at the 2024 2025 wmba uh season which is going to come back really soon and I'm thinking that the Las Vegas Aces would make it back to the to the WNBA Finals uh, next year as well. So I'm I'm going to keep my keep my fingers crossed on that and uh, see uh, my Dallas swings and the Las Vegas Aces meet up again as well.
1: Yeah, we'll just have to see. That's uh, certainly a long way off. So we'll uh, certainly get to that when uh, when the time comes. Any final thoughts for us today, James? Before we have to let you go and hit this next break.
5: Um, the only final thoughts I actually have is actually um, it, it's going to be a good bowl season this week. So I got a lot of games I'm going to be watching this weekend and uh, seeing if, uh, if if there's going to be a good game out in Montgomery. So that's going to be good. I'm going to be watching uh, Duke uh, this week because uh, one of our – Former Auburn Tigers is a head coach for the Duke uh, Blue Devils. Uh, Trooper Taylor is a, is a head coach for the Duke Blue Devils, so I'm actually going to be uh, rooting for them uh, this coming up weekend as well.
1: Yeah, Trooper Taylor was on that Duke staff, not as the head coach. That was Mike Elko. they got an interim now, but uh, Taylor was mm-hmm. on that staff, and they're believed to be hiring Manny Diaz today, uh, who has had a, a head coaching stop in the past and been – uh, a lot of different defensive coordinators as well.
5: Yeah, so if you all get a chance to uh, bring Trooper Taylor on the show, just uh, shoot me on uh, uh, on Twitter and let me know when he's on the show because I would love to. I would love to get to talk with him as well. He he was one of my favorite favorite guys as as an Auburn fan as well so he 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 had me going in in the um in the fan base as well in Auburn you know with with a lot of his uh a lot of his uh way that he hyped up the team so that's why that's where I get it from from him as well
1: okay that's how you get hype through uh through guys like Trooper Taylor I got you well James we certainly appreciate the call today and uh, we look forward to talking again soon All right, War Eagle, guys. That is War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time here for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, as well as a look at the National Football League as we head into the last four or five weeks of the season. We'll preview this week in NFL football coming up next. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Third and final hour of sports call starting right now. Tiger95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you missed anything or want to check it out again on the Sports Call Podcast, available wherever you may get your podcast presented by Coca-Cola. All right, today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to look at a couple of NFL items for you as we transition into another week of of nfl football with a lot of quarterbacks injured so sports call five at five today going to be around some injured quarterback storylines and again we want to remind you that the sports call five at five is presented by southeastern land group john harden and brian watts are your local land advisors with southeastern land group land is always a sound financial investment but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends and brian and john can help you find the perfect property for you if look if you are looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure two potential buyers your friends at southeastern land group can help you with that too call john harden at 334-524-2756 or call brian watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com again going to mention five quarterback situations here real quickly on the sports call at five at five we'll start off with number one and that was the most recent injury to a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who high ankle sprain. C.J. Beathard came in, did kind of okay in the limited sample size we saw, but definitely someone uh, that Joe Bartle of RotoWire was not thrilled to see come in at quarterback. So we'll see uh, how Beathard does. They are a part of a big matchup that we'll talk about in just a little bit, but again, that's one quarterback situation in some disarray. Number two, one that's not quite as fresh is Cincinnati situation. Joe Burrow out for the year has been out the last couple of weeks. Jake Browning, the quarterback for Cincinnati, he played pretty good football though uh, so far this year. He's not not been too bad. I think the Jets would certainly love to have him. So Jake Browning's still trying to keep the Bengals into the playoff picture. Number three. The Browns have had travails at quarterback. First, it was Deshaun Watson struggling a little bit. Then he started to play better, and then he got injured. And so they've had to go to a couple different options. And now they've gone to Joe Flacco. And uh, he actually played okay last week. So we'll see if Flacco still has a little something to take, or if at the minimum it's a little bit better than Dorian Thompson Robinson and P.J. Walker, what they were trotting out there. Number four. So, yes, the Jets still exist. They (laughs) now have more quarterback issues. They used to have Joe Flacco, by the way. Uh, They moved on from Tim Boyle. No! Uh, He was released. I think they're trying to go back to Zach Wilson, question mark, but also there's a report that Zach Wilson doesn't want to. I don't know. (laughs) It's the Jets, and it's as dramatically awful as you thought it would be. So... Uh, Again, this is what happens when an Achilles snaps and when uh, really everything about the Jets then falls in on itself. And last but not least on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five. One more quarterback situation that has been in some flux uh, throughout the year uh, has been the New England Patriots who play tonight in the Game against Pittsburgh Steelers. I could have gone either way, but I wanted to uh, get Brooks going a little bit here uh, and uh, transition in this game for the only way I know how to. In that, uh, bet the under. On tonight's game, that's the sports call five at five, presented my Southeastern lane Group. That fifth one being Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. They're healthy, they're just not good. Anyway, uh some of these other guys have been out, and that's where they say
3: you could also go on the other side. uh Kenny Pickett is out,
1: right? That's what I'm saying. I, I said I could, but I went with the Patriots side just to make you shake your head for a moment. That is the Thursday night game tonight. Pittsburgh hosting New England. Uh, if New England scores this week, it'll be better than last week. Uh, and yeah. For Pittsburgh, they got run pretty much out of town. But what was it, Arizona, last week? So not exactly a, a successful week for the Steelers. Well, and by the weather too. Yeah, weather ran them out for a while. Yeah. That was. A side note: I don't know no one cares, but for thirty seconds, the weather about ran me out <laughs> in, in Tampa because uh, Christian. I was with JJ and Christian. Christian had to go underneath uh, and go to the covered area. Me and JJ braved it, but I'll tell you what. I have never t- taken a shower with more water than yeah. that. That was about an hour of p- a mix of pouring, then a little hope, and then a little more pouring. I mean, it was about 10 minutes pouring, 3 minutes softer, 10 minutes pouring, 3 minutes softer, and the clothes took every bit of 48 hours to dry. Even so it's I mean, just good grief. Uh good grief. So uh, I guess good that Pittsburghs did not have to keep playing during that, but uh, you know, it weather can be an issue. It will be an issue in a game we also want to bring up in a little bit. But uh, guys, we, this is not a shot, but a Thursday night game—not exactly the most appetizing. Uh, Brooks, what 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 what's a successful night for you tonight? Can
3: I, can I just well, before we dive into that because I don't know if we're going to get to this game in in our when we're talking about the NFL, but the fact that you have presented somebody with the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and they're saying no, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good.
6: Oh,
1: it's Zach, just we'll a hilarious
3: concept. Hey, would you like to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? I'd jump at the opportunity. If someone thought I could play quarterback in the NFL, yeah, I'd be like, heck yeah, yeah, sign me up. I don't care if it's the the Jaguars or somebody. But the fact that you've offered and said, we want you to be starting quarterback again. No, thank you.
1: The fact that, unless I'm forgetting <laughs> something, that Mark Sanchez is, uh, like, no doubt their best quarterback in the last decade plus, it tells you how rough it's been. Again, I, I, I like maybe they had someone that was for, like, a year as good, but. Fits magic? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, for, like, a few games. But <laughs> it, it's, it's, it somehow gets worse. It, it, they had their quarterback. Quote. Saw ghost. And it's worse now <laughs> than it was then. Anyway, anyway. Brooks. Tonight's game. <sighs> you're a Patriots fan. No. You're gonna watch this.
3: Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch probably every second of it. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's. It's. It's not great. Is what it is. Um, you're gonna watch Bailey Zappi, who is getting the start tonight, take on Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, no, this isn't an out of conference North Carolina versus Western Kentucky game from a few years ago. <laughs> this is this is happening. Um, the thing is, is the Patriots. You you look at the they've just been bad, and you thought you know when you're, you look at Mac Jones came in, he's got ten touchdowns on the year, twelve interceptions. Uh, you're like, all right, maybe, and I you know obviously if if they hadn't gone away from him right off the you know sooner you're like well there's got to be something some reason they haven't you know uh, went straight to Bailey Zappi well there was it 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 didn't nothing happened last week there was there was uh, zero points I was subjected to watching Iowa football two days in a row and it wasn't great um once again the patriots defense continues to be uh to be pretty good i know there was a several several times the chargers last week kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit dropping passes and not executing but uh the the fact that you lost a game by 6 points and it They only scored six, and it's just embarrassing. Uh, On top of that, the Patriots lost uh, one of their uh, wide receivers, Demario Douglas, for the week. Also lost Ramondre Stevenson for the week, so the starting running back is Zeke Elliott, who's been fine this year as the number two back. But, you know, there's a reason Dallas didn't want to bring him back as their number one guy, didn't want to pay him as the number one guy. And so I'm not optimistic about the game tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh is favored by five right now, and if you told me the game ended five nothing at the end of the night, I'd believe you. I I would one hundred percent believe you that the uh it it would be it would be that because you know you just look at uh you know even without uh Kenny Pickett who's been a a, a just a mad NFL quarterback. Uh, that I think, you know, different people have different opinions on. you still got Najee Harris in the backfield, uh, and you still got some really decent wide receivers out wide, uh, specifically a guy like George Pickens, who if you just put in the area of him, he can suck the ball in and, uh, and make a, a, a great catch. And so I'm not – my most positive thing to take away from tonight is if the Patriots score a touchdown – that's all I want is one touchdown to prove that we're not totally inept any, uh, anymore.
2: I'll I'll make this quick cuz I know we have a caller on the line. Uh, I'm looking forward to this game solely for my fantasy team as i am the proud owner or the proud uh, uh team owner of bryce barnger the new england patriots punter he has been <laughs> carrying me these last couple of weeks in these trials and tribulations for brooks these have been fantastic fantasy numbers for me and my crew we but,
3: Iowa football.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh if there is a touchdown in the game i will be Pleasantly surprised. I mean that. I I honestly think this will be the Chris Boswell show versus
3: Brooks. Who who's y'all's kicker now? Chaz Chad Ryland, the I knew rookie y- out of South Carolina.
2: I knew y'all had Nick Folk, and I love. I love me some good Nick Folk inside fifty yards. But, Catch him uh, in Nashville. But uh, yeah. Um, I think this game will look very eerily like a Big Ten West game. You thought you got away from Iowa versus Nebraska? Well, here you go. This is the professional version, all right? this is right? They've decided this will be a great way to promote new viewership. I know Amazon's just thrilled. Al Michaels is probably, you know, jumping, biting at the bit to get to this game. So
3: If you told me I had to stream this on the BTN instead of Amazon Prime, I'd believe you.
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Put Short. this on the CW. But, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about
1: it. Let's indeed go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you today?
7: Hey, doing doing great, guys. How about yourself? Doing well. All right. It's five about 515. I'm coming in with some breaking news. Okay. I'm talking about big-time breaking news. Are y'all ready for
1: this? Oh, uh, I'm ready. Buckled in.
7: All right, there's been a Kevin still sighting in Opelika, Alabama. I just left Nukes, and there he sat in a booth by Seth. Had a black jacket on, a red A. What's he doing in Opelika, Alabama, guys? Uh,
2: I, I think uh, if I had to bet, uh, Central Phoenix City, I know one of their players on the D-line is committed to Alabama, I was told last night. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he's making a visit out there. Maybe he wanted to grab a bike.
7: That's one I kinda of figured might have been recruiting, but uh it was it was definitely him. I told the little girl it was checking me out. I'd went in just to pick up some stuff to go and was paying for it and I said, You ain't gotta look right now, but that guy sat back there behind you in booth number three I said, That's Alabama's defensive coordinator <laughs> the little girl said, You know, I knew that face looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, he, he's at Nukes right now having having him some dinner. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, that's all I, I I have. I don't have any other breaking news <laughs> other than that, 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 that it's time to go home, and that's where I'm headed. So uh, who plays tonight? Pittsburgh and who? Of course, I ain't watching any Thursday night games. Can't get them. But-
1: sure, Pittsburgh and New England. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs>
7: well, hey, that, that's, that's, that's another Iowa uh, – That's grief. I mean, Iowa could play in that game.
1: Yes, they could. That's that's what we were talking about.
7: (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right, guys. I I appreciate you taking my call, and uh, guys, keep up the the, good work, and we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Sounds good, Keith. Appreciate the phone call. That is Keith from Iowa joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line with a Kevin Steele spotting. Maybe Kevin Steele's eyeing another coup. I don't know.
2: Uh, But
3: uh, what do you think Kevin Steele's order at Nukes is?
2: Ah. you good think question. he's a sandwich guy or pizza guy? I don't, guy I don't guy? eat nukes enough to I, know. I'm a pizza guy at nukes. I, I think
3: d- Kevin Steele's a pizza guy. I, I'd eat
2: pizza with Kevin Steele. Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I don't think that was the
3: question. But all right,
2: <laughs> with future Auburn head
1: coach Kevin Steele, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, good call on the uh, the recruit. And again, Central Pink City certainly pulls them out. And uh, there's always guys in this area that are going to play big time college ball. But uh, yeah, and then. As we were just talking about Thursday night game, you just—I'll tell you this—the—the the implication here is Pittsburgh can't lose this game. This, this is this would be on the heels of losing to Arizona. This would be a really bad loss. New England is getting in great position to draft their quarterback of the future
3: or uh, an offensive lineman from. You're I don't convinced know, holy of that? Cross.
1: I will never. I will never be kind to your organization again if they don't take a quarterback. That that's what that's how confident I am they will take a quarterback. I think they're going to take Drake May. I, I think it's going to be Drake May. I think we'll be rooting for a Tar Heel quarterback together next year, Brooks.
3: I hope you're right.
1: I hey, hey. I I if they don't then they're absurd. I did see something today where they took two uh, they had like pick 83 and took a defensive end that didn't work out, and then they, Chris Godwin was the pick behind him, and then the Patriots had the next pick, and they picked the guy that didn't work out, and Kareem Hunt was the pick behind him. So I almost showed it to you, but now telling you in line, in real time is just as good. <laughs> uh so
3: we had a chance let me and i, I know it, it wasn't a you know we tom brady was still the quarterback so you're not going and drafting a, a backup quarterback of that caliber we had a chance to get lamar jackson at the end of uh, the first round in the 2018 we had,
2: draft the, the bears had an opportunity to get patrick mahomes okay how, how is that how do you think that makes me feel well broke? you see the
3: thing is patrick mahomes wasn't as known of a uh, of a uh of a commodity as uh lamar jackson
2: you got me on that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the The Patriots, two years before, really a, a year before Brady uh, left, it was there was a chance for the Patriots to go ahead and get a Lamar Jackson, develop them, and see what they could do.
1: Well, I'm going to let you guys stir in depression, and yeah. we're going to go ahead and go to our next break. When we come back, we will get into some lesser depressing football. We'll talk about some of the big matchups coming up this weekend, including the Cowboys and the Eagles. And again, other matchups with playoff implications also in the NFC South between the Falcons and the Buccaneers. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Brooks and TP with you. Feels like a bigger week ahead in the NFL here as there are several matchups worthwhile now. Some of them involve quarterbacks that are not at the top of the heap or potentially backups, that sort of thing. But there's a lot to get to this week. We'll start off with the biggest one, make sure we have ample time for that. And that is Dallas and Philadelphia. That is the Sunday night game. Cowboys at 9-3, Eagles at 10-2. Eagles got pummeled last week at home against San Francisco. San Francisco did exact their, some revenge. And Dallas is favored this weekend. Of course, if they win, they tie Philadelphia uh, at 10-3. and three, And then it's any team's game there to try to win the NFC East. This game is it more about Dallas or is it
2: more about Philadelphia for you? I think it's uh, I think it's pretty balanced, but I would go more about I'll go with Dallas for this one because I think I think we know what the Eagles are and there's a big talk about if Dallas can beat winning teams and the Eagles are definitely you know a big time team, a team that's going to win games in the playoffs. So I think this is really important for Dallas to see where this is the measuring stick game. Are you a legit contender or are you a pretender? So I think this is a big, big game for Dallas. And I think I think it's also important to see how the Eagles, I know it's more important, I think it's more important to see what Dallas says, But I also think it's equally important for Philadelphia because they got, they got pummeled last week. Like you said, they got destroyed. So we can see, for the first time in a long time, we can see how the Eagles uh, bounce back from some adversity. And I know there's some sort of stat out there. It's like NFL teams are remarkably good after getting like blown out, and so especially like winning teams like the Eagles. So, I think that'll be a really interesting matchup. I'm still leaning towards Philadelphia in that one, but uh, we'll see if uh, the Dallas can play with the big boys or not.
3: I didn't watch any of that Eagles game last week, but I did see I, I was, did see the graphic thrown up that the 49ers in that game. Had negative yardage after the first uh, first quarter, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So you know, I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, "All right, well, Eagles got this." A couple hours later, I go back on Twitter, check it back. No, nope, they didn't have it. It was uh, it was a, a quite the turnaround from for San Francisco, and so uh, it, it's. I think this game is is a very much about the Eagles because you you look at their uh, you look at how they played last week. They need a bounce back game. Uh, they, they need something to, to to you know get back on track. Uh, but then you know, you, you look at the rest of their you know, the rest of their games, they've been able to win these close games. They've been able that, that's been their their big thing this year is They played they played a lot of close games. they've been able to win them. Uh, and so can they go into a, a, a Dallas a, 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 a very uh, difficult place to play? Uh, you go in there, can you come out of uh, Jerry World with a win against a Cowboys team that hasn't lost yet at home this year? They're 6-0 at home. Uh, can Dallas defend home turf? Uh, Eagles 5-1 uh, and one on the road this year. And so can this Eagles team go in there, get a win? Uh, Dallas seems like a team, you know, we, we've talked about I think it was last week we talked about it. It, it was the – you look at their defense uh, at the beginning of the year – and when uh, when Trevon Diggs went down, you see, we were we uh, we said, oh no, what 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 are they? Gonna do? They've gotten better. They've they've gotten they've gotten a lot better. I know we mentioned this last week that Dan Quinn's name is being mentioned for head coaching positions uh, out there, and so it's it's going to be really important. I think Dallas. Uh, I, you know what, I, I think Dallas comes in, comes into this game uh, and they they do what Philadelphia has done a lot this year. They went a close one. I think they went a close one over Philadelphia on, at home.
1: Look, part of me says that when Dallas plays, it's always about Dallas because that's the way the attention usually leans. But for me, uh, an NFL fan, it's about Philadelphia this week because Dallas can do whatever. They can be as great or as average as possible. It will always matter until they get that Super Bowl monkey off their back. The playoffs are always going to matter just way, way more for them. And look, you say to every team, like, yeah, of course the playoffs will matter. That's obvious. But it's Dallas, and that's the dramatically uh, large losses that they have, the uh, gaffes and being America's team and having the huge brand. It's more relevant to them. They expect to be in the playoffs to a degree, whereas – you take some of these newer teams as AFC and NFC South teams, they just love to be in the postseason more times than not. I know that's not the ultimate goal, but again, I just think everything's pronounced when it's Dallas. So, with it being the regular season and with Philadelphia losing the way that they lost, this is about Philadelphia. They had been winning some close games this year. I mentioned that despite their record, there still seems something a little awry with them that was a little less impressive than last year, even though know, the record suggests it was about the same. Uh, I think we mentioned the other week that what it was suspiciously like Minnesota from last year that had this great 13-4 record but won like 11 one-score games. And for me, I I need some sort of validation now. Now that they did lose to to their biggest competition on their home field uh, for the NFC, I do want to see them say, yeah, no, Dallas is still below us. It's still us versus San Francisco. We'll figure it back out. That's a big moment for them. Uh, And so I think that I lean towards Dallas because I am genuinely worried about Philadelphia a little bit. Everything still paper-wise is sound. I don't think Hertz has been awful. I don't think he's been quite the MVP candidate that he was last year. I still think they have every reason in the world to succeed. And they embody their head coach, Nick Sirianni, who is a tough-minded coach. So – I don't think that they become some awful team. But, yeah, I do think that they are susceptible this year. I do think that they uh, deserve to be the underdog on the road at Dallas. And this is a big moment for uh, for this team to try to correct what was wrong last week. And if they go back to beating Dallas on the road, then, again, it still gets to the point of, okay, well, they, they might be behind the eight ball when it comes to San Francisco, but there's really no one that prevents them from going to the NFC Championship game. And they still control their destiny for being the one seed because they still have the best record. So this is still about Philadelphia for me and either validating the struggles and the worry that we've kind of felt underlying all year long that came to a head last week or shaking off those cobwebs and getting back to who they've been the last 30 or 35 games these last two years. So it's more about that for me. There's another big, uh, there's a lot of big games. Another game with at least more health involved is Kansas City and Buffalo. Now, again, this for a lot of people would have been the type of AFC championship preview. However, Buffalo uh, really needs this. If they lose again, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are going to win about nine or 10 in the AFC. They are six and six. They cannot keep losing. Kansas City, on the other hand, they did have a loss at Lambeau. Last night, and again, all the people that said that when they were winning uh, with Taylor Swift in the uh, in a, uh, in person and in attendance, they they need to calm down a little bit. Mm, that's uh, what you did there, and, uh, yeah, so we'll see if Kansas City shakes that off or not. Brooks, what do you hey, got? Hey, look it?
3: at that. I don't even have to pull out a pun now. You you pulled it all from me. I did it for me. you. Uh, the bills
1: are. I, I tried. I did it, but also in a slightly negative way. That was that, the that, reason I did it,
3: and that's fine. Uh, but the bills are one and four away from the friendly confines of Orchard Park. One and four. They've won one game on the road this year, uh, and you're going to one of the most hostile environments in the NFL. I know you. You know we, we talk about the difference between hostile environments of college football and NFL. There is a big difference. But when you look at hostile environments in the NFL, Kansas City is one of them. They are it is a, a great fan base in, in Kansas City. You're going out there. Kansas City, you mentioned, lost a, a very emotional game on national TV to Green Bay. First time Patrick Mahomes has ever played in Lambeau Field, and they lost that game. They're coming home. Uh, no matter how much the Bills have to win a game, the Chiefs are going to want to uh, – are going to want – I'm not revenge because they're not. Uh, it's not the same team that they just lost to. But they're gonna. They want uh, to get back on the right track here this week. I think the the Chiefs come into this game very motivated to get a win. Uh, and I think that the uh, the, the they're gonna t- get a uh, a win here. Get the uh, take some of the wind out of the sales of Buffalo and uh, send them continue on the path toward potentially not making the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, even in that Kansas City-Green Bay game like you were talking about, it felt like Kansas City – I know it was close at the end, but it felt like uh, Kansas City kind of got beaten pretty soundly in that. I know the final score doesn't reflect it, but they really didn't – it didn't look that competitive, honestly. So uh, I think Andy Reid will have his guys ready to go back whenever they – Excuse me. Uh, whenever they face Buffalo, and I couldn't tell you the last time Buffalo beat Kansas City, it feels like they're great kryptonite. Even though Kansas City's receiving core is pretty bad, I think that's pretty. I think it's um, pretty well understood at this point in the season. I still think they're going to beat Sean McDermott, and I think they're going to win and uh, continue on. And you know, we feel like the Chiefs have been you know kind of lackluster this year, but their defense has been great. There is, Steve Spagnuolo is a really good defensive coordinator. I believe they're like in the top three and uh defensive rating so uh they're still eight and four and if they win this week they'll be a uh, nine and four so i think the chiefs have everything out in front of them they did lose to green bay who just looks like a completely different team than september and october so i think uh, i think the chiefs have a really good spot to put a team that they don't really like in the bills in a tough position yeah the chiefs for
1: me are in a little different situation than philly because of the divisional standings and because dallas it is so such a direct opportunity to catch Philly, whereas you still look around the AFC West, the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos, none of them are awful teams, but none of them really seem to have uh, the, the gall to get up all the way to Kansas City. So even with some of these struggles, yeah, Kansas City's not looking as impressive, especially offensively. The defense is a really good sign because you know Mahomes is always going to give you a chance, so that defense is playing well. They are at home, as Brooks notes, that's a tough place to play. And Buffalo has had some close calls, but they've also gotten in their way a lot. So I expect them to get in their way again at some point in this Kansas City game. Let's head back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger 9 Next up on the show, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today?
6: Doing good, and you guys? Doing well. Yeah, you know, I could be wrong, but, you know, it seemed like this year's – uh high school state uh, finals, This ain't that much talk about it. I don't know if it's just because they ain't in Auburn this time versus uh, Tuscaloosa or maybe I've been looking at the wrong media outlets or whatnot, but I just thought maybe years past, uh, you know, just more excitement, more enthusiasm about it, but I don't know. But anyway, uh, Patrick Nix went on down there with those central uh, city red that was, went on up in the in T-Town, the if you will, and uh, took Cal Thompson, uh, did a job that uh, a lot of other people ain't been able to do or wanted to do.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I will go ahead and tell you, Anthony, that we are airing all those games on 93.9. So we have all seven of the Super 7 if you are interested in any of those. But, right. uh, but yeah, no, that was a, a big performance there. It was a close game. Obviously, those are the two heavyweights right now in 7-8. And with that Seaborn kid at, at Thompson that people are going to be talking about for a long time, That he, they're always going to be in the mix. And it was a big deal, though, for Central. And, obviously, Cam Coleman, the Auburn commit, had a big night, was the MVP. So that was a, a heck of a game.
6: That kid is in ninth grade or tenth
2: grade this time. Seaborn, I think ninth. He's a ninth grader. Cool. Yeah, and to, and uh, right. uh, I wanted to talk. I think I mean there's been pretty good buzz on uh, Twitter and some uh, AL.com and all that about it. I think it's just because the but outside of the seven A game, the only other games that have gone on are the three A game, which was kind of a blowout with Mobile Christian winning, and one uh, A right now is going on. And it's a tie ball game, so uh, I think they'll they'll catch up more with these games tomorrow and uh, tonight's game in 5A with uh, the bigger schools playing?
6: 6A play Friday, right?
2: Yeah, Friday night. Yep.
6: Yeah, I hope you catch that tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. But, you know, I wish they'd redo that. I mean, why go ahead and give you the big game on Wednesday and then start going down from 7A to 6A? Why not hold off the big games until the end of the week and go with the 1 through 4As in the beginning of the week? Wouldn't you think that'd be better?
1: Uh, it, yeah, it could be. Uh, I, I think they, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, it, Brooks, it, you, I know you. It's really a lot, because said,
3: there's so. not as many seven A schools, and they get that extra week off between yeah. their semifinals, so they get to play first.
1: Yeah, because they but, remember you know, they don't play the week before, so they're already. But,
6: but look at this way. You know, when you go to dinner and you take your lady out to dinner, you always order appetizers. You don't just order the main meal right off the bat. I mean, most cases you don't. I mean, you know, give the fans an appetizer with the uh, smaller division first. You know, to kind of build you up a little bit, get you relaxed and ready to ease on into the big boys. I mean, really, don't you
1: think? I think that's a very fair point. Again, I don't have a strong take on it one way or another. I know they've just done it like this for a, since they, they added the seventh classification uh, and they've stuck to that format. They do always make sure – that they put the five and six A games as the night cap of you know Thursday and Friday night respectively, so they do they do that. But yeah, you definitely have every argument to make there that they, they could start off with one of the lower classifications and, and seven A could be the last one up.
6: Because you know the way they're doing it now, you like you know I guess you know you got a lot some people that are going to be able to go there in person and see it, but then you got people watching TV. You'd be like, well, okay, they didn't play the 7 8 game. Ain't nothing not me. about watching anything on, on TV unless it's just a school that I went to might be playing or something. Other than that, not worried about it, but I guess that's what it is. But anyway, congratulations to him. And, you know, it would cap off if both could mess around and uh, win that Heisman uh, Saturday night. That'd be a great week for that family. I mean, if you think about it, you couldn't get no better week than that. His father wins a state championship on a Wednesday night, and then the son come back on a Saturday night. And go to Hallelujah, man, if you win uh, the individual award and win the Heisman Memorial Trophy. I mean, that'd be ice engraved on the cake, and everything else. When you think?
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, Bo Nix was at uh, that championship game last night. He was in Tuscaloosa with his dad, him and Caleb.
6: Yeah, I tell you, that's just something special there. Uh, all that's going on for that family this week. Now, here's what I really want to get to, the meat and potatoes of this thing.
1: The, the main was, course, okay. Some-
6: there were some rumors or suggestions that perhaps uh, Patrick Nix might be brought on as a quarterback coach or maybe offensive coordinator for our University at the, uh, the performance last night. Because you think about it, in the beginning of his career, he did coach at Georgia Tech for a few seasons. If uh, I'm not mistaken, he uh, was offensive coordinator or quarterback coach there uh, uh, back in maybe the uh, early 2000s or mid or whatever it was at some point uh, for a period of time before he got deeply into this high school ball stuff. Uh, that is a possibility. What do you guys
0: think?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think first, obviously, you, you got to replace or you, you got to make move on from the current guy, which is Philip Montgomery, and there has been conversation about that. Uh, he is currently, obviously, the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So obviously, you'd need to change there first. Uh, we we're really not sure at this point. I think you can make an argument either right. way, uh, and then from that point, if, if Patniks would come along, you know, I. Again, I, I have not heard too many rumblings about that. I think everything's been contained to just him doing a good job at Central this year uh, and for the last couple of years. But uh, it will be interesting if they do make the move because that is something that we have at least talked a little bit about, the possibility of Phil Montgomery uh, being replaced. And at that point, that's when we would probably start to look deep into these candidates, and maybe Pat Nix would be one of them.
6: You know, if you think about this thing, uh, that Stuart Horst, uh Cam coming out of Phoenix City. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know he wanted to go to Texas A&M at one point, but uh, you know, if you think about it, why not somewhere else with some of these teams that are actually are uh, certified uh, uh, contenders, uh, big boys that in the playoff picture that gives a better opportunity to develop him first round and, and put that national championship ring on his finger, perhaps even win a Bolivar Award or even get in a position to win a, a Heisman Trophy. I mean, you know, uh but decided to come on Auburn uh, or whatnot, uh perhaps uh Knicks might be tagging along and, and whoever uh, who knows whatever might be coming out of Phoenix City might be tagging along uh with them as well. So we'll see how this uh uh thing play out, but uh, you know, we may in another couple of weeks or perhaps first of the year, uh, after the bowl games or whatnot, maybe that announcement might be made.
1: Yeah, uh, again I I I guess they are trying to keep the coaching staff as as intact as possible up at least until the bowl game and then because those recruiting or because those coordinators and and stuff are sometimes not as important we'll see and i and to be fair again auburn might not want to make any change there i i don't know
6: one thing i want to mention as far as bowl season uh jacksonville state will be playing next week if i'm not mistaken next saturday i think or friday whatever it is
1: yeah i think <laughs> next saturday kicks off bowl season i'll double check which what the date of that game is but yeah first bowl games are next saturday
6: if I'm not mistaken, they having finals this week as far as uh, uh, school goes. Uh, and I was just wondering how they was going to do their bowl preparation uh, with finals going on this week and a bowl game next week. Uh, I mean, usually most people get 12 to 15 days to practice before a bowl game because we always talk about it on the radio, uh, the valuable time that is uh develop your younger players. I just wonder how that was going to work out like that. I, I thought uh, with if finals being this week that they definitely have all week off for that, you wouldn't want to practice uh, – and got that much going on, but but uh, well, yeah, they be might in the games next week. You
0: know,
1: they they may not practice much this week, but also, I mean, that just yeah. means it acts a lot like a game week next week. Since it is next right. Saturday, you still have all of next week, and as long as Louisiana's got their finals around this time too, then both teams are kind of playing under the under the same format there.
6: But then that that ruins uh, oh, well, it takes away from the enjoyment that you would get. Don't they spend about four or five days at a bowl site, Sometimes a week for some some people.
1: Uh, some can yeah uh, the bigger yeah. bowls especially i don't know uh, now this one is in new orleans to be fair but it, obviously one of the first bowls, not a bigger one so i don't i don't know if it'd be a couple days three days what, what it would be but uh yeah. still they could still hold those practices there too on, on practices well, fields that, down there
6: that's true. well that's true as well but we'll see how they shake out i'm just glad they're going somewhere yes we'll sir see, uh well guys i appreciate it and i'll be talking to y'all later
1: uh, we appreciate the phone call anthony that is anthony from auburn Joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line as uh, we're starting to wind down the last five, six, seven minutes of the show. Appreciate Anthony for calling in there. Uh, Yeah, that's why they try to make sure just about everyone's finals. I can't promise you absolutely everybody. Some schools up north can go on different timelines, but – uh, for the most part, uh, you have teams operating under similar timelines with finals and that sort of thing, and a lot of them are this week. Uh, they certainly are here at, at Auburn. And that's still, even if you're not really practicing much on finals week, that still gives you the full game type of week. Even if you are traveling, uh, again, sometimes you, you can still hold two, three practices down there uh, at your bowl site. So, again, as long as as long as long both teams are kind of in the same boat, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about if it's four days, six days, eight days of practice, or, or what have you, but certainly those smaller teams they they finish up quicker with those uh, those bowl, bowls at the beginning of bowl season. Last few minutes of the show, again, want to wrap up our NFL conversation real quick, guys, before we get to the TV guide. Uh, give you a few other games to pick from here. Again, there are several with playoff implications. Uh, there is the NFC South battle between Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Of course, you can hear that on our station at uh, Tiger 95.9 on Sunday. Colts Bengals has wild card implications. Colt's still trying to chase Jacksonville down with a little bit cloudier future with Trevor Lawrence. They're uh, Indianapolis 7-5, C 6-6. Speaking of Jacksonville, they are 8-4 at the 7-5. Browns using Joe Flacco now at quarterback. Even Rams-Ravens. Rams in the midst of the NFC wild card race at 6-6. Six six. Ravens at 9-3. Still trying Trying to run and hide in the afc's north division uh you could go seattle at six and six trying to play uh, san francisco six and six broncos five and seven chargers in an elimination type of game a lot of games with a lot of playoff implications this week and uh guys have at it
2: whatever you want well I, i'll go first i think there don't are, talk about the bears thing. i'm not i <laughs> oh, you're the have, panthers you don't have to I, you don't have to ask me <laughs> twice for that so if it wasn't for the injury to trevor warrens do we know if he's going to play in that game or not it's yeah.
1: not expected it is a high ankle sprain i would think for the world he would not play in that game but he that might be the only game he missed, okay
2: so see. so for the sake of argument i'm going to avoid the cj bethard versus joe flacco game as thrilling as that may be uh, i think i'll roll with the uh, broncos chargers there i think that's a pretty that'll be a pretty good matchup there between two teams uh broncos were really surging until last week they lost to the texans and uh Chargers still there. Brandon Saley, dead man walking, uh presumed uh not to have a job next year with the Chargers. But uh I think that'll be a pretty interesting matchup just to see how the Broncos can bounce back after losing because, you know, last year they were pretty bad. They started off the year pretty bad and uh We'll see if they'll be able to win this because it'd be really important. If they were able to make the playoffs this year with Sean Payton uh, and Russell Wilson with kind of a rebuilding team that we didn't really think would contend for a playoff spot, that'd be really impressive for Sean Payton and uh, Russ. So I think that uh, that's the game I'm looking forward to, and I just want to see. Uh, I know that it's obvious they're not going to fire Brandon Sale until after the season. I mean, they've had plenty of opportunities at this point, but uh, I'm going with that just to see how the Broncos bounce back after uh, tasting defeat for the first time in a while.
3: Three games I'm interested in, and really quick on all three of them. That Bucks falcons game, I'm really interested in that because the Falcons started to look a little bit better last week. Uh, it was the Jets, but they, they still looked a little bit better. Can they uh, continue to roll that through the Buccaneers? Can they uh, get back into this, this playoff race with uh, Atlanta and, and kind of try to even things up between those two? Uh, the other NFC South battle, I'm going to uh, mention it only because the Saints are a team that's trying to keep pace with these other two teams in the South, too uh the Carolina Panthers are a non-factor but can the Saints uh you know make can can the Saints roll up and continue to keep pace with the other two teams in the NFC South and then out west you got that uh Seahawks 49ers game can the the 49ers repeat their performance from last week against the Eagles against a, a, a Seattle Seahawks team that we you know we, we talked about them a few weeks ago is uh, they, they looked they looked fine and they've started to pre- regress a little bit can 49ers take advantage of that uh, and and get the get a big win for uh, on Saturday Sunday?
1: yeah no look I, I know you blew it off TP but I am interested in in Cleveland and Indianapolis because uh, or excuse me Cleveland and Jacksonville because it is such an important game for the playoff seeding, and one of those teams at least is getting in. Maybe both, if, if they if the right things fall their way. There's a lot of six, seven win teams in the AFC. Uh, about, quite frankly, about twelve or so of the teams. And, I mean, I think the Chargers are 13th in the AFC, I think. And then it's just uh, New England and the Jets at the bottom of it. I could be, I could be wrong, but uh, without seeing it, they're all kind of lumped together. And so, which backup quarterback gives you more? Uh, is going to be very intriguing there and then yeah I'll talk just a second about the implications of Atlanta and Tampa Bay Uh, if Tampa Bay loses they're done Uh, they will not have a tiebreaker over Atlanta Atlanta will have beaten them twice Atlanta will be two games ahead of them so essentially Tampa needs to win three more games of them and Atlanta will have been at seven and six and Tampa will be up to eight losses so basically only Atlanta can only win one more and Tampa can only lose one more so it's over for Tampa if they lose to Atlanta. Now, if they win, we're back to okay. Uh, eight, and nine might win the division, and all three teams are right there. Uh, but but certainly Atlanta can whittle this down to a two two team race. They already beat Atlanta or beat Tampa in in Tampa in a close game, and so the Falcons have won two in a row. I think they're going to get it done against Tampa Bay. Uh, but again, that's the that's the. That's the type of thing when you have a race like this. No teams are good enough just to win five in a row. They have a whoops moment at some point. So Atlanta's one, two in a row. We'll see if they can keep uh, the momentum going. Final minute or two of the show. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show
0: is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide.
1: No music because we'll have to go a little bit quicker today. Brooks, what's on the TV guide? Two
3: movie picks for you this evening. It's the holiday season, which means it's a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation back on the TV guide again tonight, uh, 7 o'clock on AMC. Also at 7 o'clock if you're more into the... Action, adventure, sci-fi uh, mood tonight. It's Avatar, uh, 7 o'clock on FX. Um, uh, sports picks for you this evening. Uh, the Women's College Volleyball Tournament continues tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN2 with Penn State at Wisconsin. Follow that up at 8 o'clock with Tennessee versus Texas. Uh, some men's college basketball action tonight at 6.30 on ESPN U. Iowa, Iowa State, a little CyHawk basketball action. NHL action tonight, 7 o'clock on espn Dallas Stars is at the Capitals. Finish, follow that up at 9.30 with the New Jersey Devils at the Seattle Kraken. And then, of course, you've got the NBA end-season in, uh, tournament. Semifinal number 2 featuring the Pelicans and the Los Angeles Lakers, 8 o'clock on TNT. And that, my friends is a nightly tv guy brought to my friends at white claw hard seltzer
1: thank you very much for that brooks and thank you for being here today and we will see you again tomorrow i'll be here and tp hammock thank you for being here today i guess this will be your last show for a few weeks with us don't worry he will be returning in the new year uh, but taking some time off after graduation we wish you well with that we're excited for you uh i know you've done a lot of great work there and uh, by all means enjoy these next few weeks but we'll look forward to be having you again around very soon
2: Thank you, as always. Looking forward to hearing from you all soon, and uh, I'll be in an expanded role, so looking forward to it. Yes, sir. That will do it for the show
1: today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.